We now have the FBI and the DOJ agreeing with the director of national intelligence that the Hunter Biden laptop and its contents are not part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Yet somehow our uh, news media, I should do air quotes for that. They haven't gotten the memo. And I think it was like on MSNBC. Some guy was like, it's clearly Russian propaganda. And of course, CNN still pushing the lie because they're not they're not. It's not journalism. It's anti-journalism. You know, it's it's not enough that they must not be journalists. They must actively be anti-journalists. That's their thing. That's their motto. So now we have another update. Rudy Giuliani has said that he's transferred contents of the of the laptop that he believes shows child sexual exploitation to Delaware police. And there are a lot of really interesting opinions about this because local cops are not feds. They're not federal level. So you're going to so some people are saying you're going to end up with some regular old cop being like, I don't know, man, I saw this on the laptop and they're going to they're going to testify as to exactly what they saw. Whereas with, you know, FBI, there's concerns over partisanship, especially following Obamagate and all that stuff. So we are going to talk all about the Russia nonsense, the media garbage. There's this new thing with Rudy Giuliani and Borat, which is complete fake news, as far as I understand it, claiming that he was like trying to get down with some young, some journalist and he was caught as if that's a scandal anyway. But sure, they want to get a 70 something year old man in a bedroom with a secret camera. That's on them. Fine, I guess. So joining me today to talk about this, of course, we got Ian Crossland. He's chilling. What up? And uh, Sour Patch Lids is producing and all that. I'm here in the corner. And we have Drew Holden, who is the master of threads on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) It's because you put the thread emojis in everything you do, you know? That's fair. I know. And I've got it in the bio, too. I mean, it's it's my top emoji, I think, all the time now. The threads? Yeah. So uh, smash the like button, subscribe, notification bell, show Monday to Friday Live, 8 p.m., blah, blah, blah. You know how it works. And uh, tomorrow's the debate. So we're going to be hanging out for the debate. We won't have a show tomorrow. But uh, I'll just uh, we'll start with this, the Russian stuff, man. And then and then we'll jump into the the weird, creepy Hunter Hunter (laughs) kids thing. But uh, uh, I actually I used one of your threads on Russian disinfo. I think it was today. Maybe it was yesterday where basically you have all of these media companies continually pushing this lie that the Hunter Biden laptop and the emails that implicate Joe Biden in these, you know, pay for play deals and using his son as an intermediary to cash in on his name. This is all Russian Russian disinformation. Right. With no evidence. Yep. That's 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 the media today. So uh, I don't know. We were ragging on the media. Why don't you just just go ahead and yeah? And I mean, it's, on the media. It, at this point, it's it's a knee jerk thing, right? I mean, it's we saw after everything happened with uh, the Russian collusion narrative that if something comes out that's inconvenient or not politically expedient, particularly during an election, of course it's got to be the Russians. Heaven forbid that Joe Biden's troubled son maybe did something wrong. Maybe there's news out there that hurts Dems. No, it, it's got to be Russia. It's 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 like the first thing that comes out. They're like, it was Russia. And everyone yeah. goes, oh, and they're like, that's right. The next thing that comes out, it th- that was Russia, too. And yeah. they're like, really? Then the third thing. Oh, and and, and that? Russia. That, too, huh? Yeah, that was Russia. And then finally, they're like just doing their nails. And they're like, oh, yeah, like when you're when you miss when a sock is gone, it's, drier, <laughs> like, it's only yeah. one in there. Yeah. Russia. Russia took and that. And you're like, really, man? Like, come on. And they didn't, they didn't even wait for a split second, right? I mean, I there was, there was one report that there was investigations into, and who knows? This could, I mean, it was one unnamed source from the FBI said that it's being investigated as Russian disinformation. And in a heartbeat, it went from there's an investigation into whether or not this could potentially be Russian disinformation to it is Russian disinformation. Did you see what Politico wrote? Yes, with the, this is a, amazing. The headline was like, uh, former intelligence say this is a Russian disinformation campaign. Yep. And then in the story, it's, there's a quote. Let me be clear. We have seen no evidence and have no reason to believe it's Russian disinformation. <laughs> right. But 
It smells like it's it. It's incredible. And so my favorite, so James Clapper, who I think has outed himself as a, a hardcore partisan who has, one, a tenuous grasp on reality at best, and two, <laughs> is a, is a, he's, a, he's a political hack, right? That's what he is. He came out, the first night it came out, he was on CNN, and he said, this is textbook, by the book, Russian disinformation. Oh, yeah. And it's it's... Again, they're wired, I think, so many of these people to see something they don't like and assume that it has to be Russia. And so it's so easy for them to just take that, fit it into their narrative that blew up years ago, right? I mean, like, this, is, this isn't new stuff. The idea that not everything bad is Russia is, has been thoroughly debunked for years and years and years, and they can't snap out of that schema to approach everything in the world. Is it the best they can do? Like, I, you'd think at this point they'd be like, it's actually um, it's uh, Uruguay. At least throw China in there. I mean, my <laughs> no, God, like there's, a, it shouldn't be that hard to think it's of something. New Zealand new. or uh, New Zealand I, interference. Yeah, exactly. And it's just the lack of curiosity. I think is really what kills me because I, I, you know, you did. I think you were right to look at the filing nails too. Right? These, these people don't care. One yeah, of the reasons right. why it's so easy to make it Russian disinformation <laughs> is the people who are hearing the story. It could be aliens. They're not interested. Right. They do not care. They May fundamentally, as well be. exactly. They are fundamentally disinterested in whatever this is because it hurts their team. It's like. It's like a new red scare almost. Yeah. Russia. Could you imagine if we make it to the point where we have history on this era that's accurate? They're going to be like, and at some point, <laughs> for some guess. reason, all these Democrats thought Russia was around every corner. I, I, I almost I almost kind of envy some of these people mm -hmm. because life is boring, you know, in a lot of ways. Could you imagine if you if we really lived in a world where it's like you were James Bond and you, you, yes. go, you go outside to get the newspaper and there's like a Russian like behind your garage and he's like peeking at you. And you're like, hey, Russia, I see you. Get you know, yeah. and you wiggled your fist at him, and then he leaves, and then you know you're like you, you go into your 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 basement to get some you know extension cables, and there's like some Russians, and you're like pushing them with the broom, like oh, you're in Russia, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's like have you guys seen the TV show The Americans? Right? It's it's the no, same. No. It's the same thing where you've got like it's a it's a suburban household, and you've got sorry if I'm spoiling this. I think they get to it in season one. There are like these undercover KGB agents back in back in the Cold War, and it's like yeah, wow, that's exciting. Don't you wish? Like, wouldn't it be? Yeah. And so much of this too, you know, I think we see it. We see it with, with the BLM movement. We see it with lots of different people. There is this desire to have a life that is meaningful and interesting. And where we live in such hot and heady times, it can be really easy to say we are li like it's, it's it's similar to the we're living in the most important most consequential election of our lifetime like yeah. if you if you can convince yourself time and time again that the things that are happening are not as boring as they appear and they are exciting and they involve you and you're in the thick of it like if you're a journalist of course they're gonna do that of course that's more Dude, exciting. it's gang stalking you know what gang stalking is that's no so it's it's a uh, uh, there are people who are afflicted by this paranoid delusion that agents are stalking them ah and after 9-11 there was a big surge of people believing government agents were stalking them so some people believe it was born and bred out of online conspiracy theories yeah. about the illuminati and the government after uh, right now that same phenomenon is happening but with white supremacists yeah. so you, you okay. can you, so i was reading an article about this really interesting it was a uh, uh, jonathan k from quillette First, like I saw him post about this and I was like, that's a really good point. And he, he mentions that when you look at these threads where the people are like, the white supremacists are hunting me and they're targeting my family and sending us letters and things. Yeah. It is the exact same narrative as the agents. But here's the thing. Interesting. When you tell someone I'm being stalked by agents, they think you're crazy. Right. But if you're an activist and you say white supremacists, they go, oh man, these white supremacists are such a big problem. So right now there's a story. You said today wrote about this. Some dude, I think, in the Pacific Northwest filed a lawsuit against a whole bunch of, like, conservative entities. Okay. And, like, right-wing entities and individuals. The person has no idea who they are. <laughs> saying that they're they're infringing on his rights and making it unsafe for him to go outside. And so he's got to sue. It is – Russia 
is the resistance Democrats gang stalking. Yeah. Paranoia. The Russians are everywhere. Could you imagine thinking like Vladimir Putin is like, is like hiding in your basement and like everyone who tweeted you is clearly working for Putin? Yes. Right. This is a whole new level. So back in the, in the 2000s, you had people who are like, you're an agent. You, oh, there's agents everywhere. Yeah. Right. Now that we're very online, it's the exact same thing, but they're going, Russia, Russians. Everyone yeah. who res- you respond to someone and like someone will tweet something like, I think Donald Trump is evil. And you'll comment, well, I just disagree with that. And they'll say, you must be a Russian. Yes. Russian bots. Everywhere. Russian. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, it's, I think for a lot of people, it's really easy because if you see the world as fundamentally black and white, everything's good, everything or everything is bad, then yes, of course, everything that doesn't go your way is got, has got to be something malicious. It's Putin or it's, uh, the, you know, it's the little green men or whatever it is. But man. it's, it, it's so easy, I think, to get wrapped up in that sort of a narrative. And right now you've got an entire media ecosystem that is hooked on this. Why did yeah. they not choose China? I would say Russia is a democracy. Uh, well, you know, well, well. I don't know if it's a real democracy. It's not. But it's, 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 no, well, they, well. They overthrew the communists. I, I, because uh, they don't want to actually injure their partners, do they? Biden likes them. Yeah. Biden does like them. Did you Biden, when he was naming all our global enemies and in the end he was like, and China's doing their thing. And they're not yeah, a competition com- for us. Yeah, exactly. That's what and, it was. And we have these emails where a, a company called CEFC, it was a Chinese, uh, was an energy energy firm? Yes, yeah. And there was an yeah, email yeah. saying 10, uh, H will hold 10% for the big guy. And apparently, I guess Fox News reached out to people on the email chain who confirmed the big guy was Joe Biden. So Joe Biden, let's, let, let, let's stop all that real quick. And let me just ask you a question. Why did Hunter Biden fly on Air Force Two to China to negotiate a private equity deal? Isn't that bad? right. And, and that's, that's like a, a well-known thing. There's photos of him on the yeah. plane. Okay, that's bad enough. If you were to tell me, following those meetings, Joe Biden was telling his son, I want to cut, I'd be like, makes sense. He was the one giving the ride on government property. Yeah. So now we get these emails where Hunter Biden is doing a deal with Chinese officials, and they're, and they're all part of the Communist Party, because if you're going to yeah. do anything, you're, you're, you're a member or whatever. And then they say, you know, 20 for H, 20 for L, and 10 for, uh, held by H for the big guy. And everyone's like, I wonder who the big guy is. The first story comes out insinuating, could this have been Joe Biden? Mm-hmm. Then Fox News reached out to someone on the email chain, asked, and they said, yep, that was Joe Biden. So you want to know why Joe Biden and the Democrats or whatever won't say China's doing it? Because they're cutting sweet deals, man. We're setting up, they've been setting up factories for decades, taking our yeah. jobs, moving them overseas, and they're getting in, they're in on that deal. It's, it's lucrative for them. My question w- with all of these people is, how did they enter public service getting paid a hundred, you know, at the time, 47 years ago, probably wasn't even getting six figures. No, yeah. Now he's a millionaire. I get it. Maybe after, you know, in the past four years, he did book deals and speaking tours and stuff. But this is somebody who made wealth off of public service. Yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of that. More importantly, in response, finally, Joe Biden responds to these emails. And he was like, he, he was, first of all, he goes, it's really nuts. These journalists are terrified to even ask him questions. Yeah, it's exactly. pathetic. And then he's like, you know, my son, you know, he was asked, did your son make money off the family name? That's untrue. That's a smear. And then the Daily Caller plays the clip from yeah. last year where Hunter Biden's like, he, she, uh, he gets asked by a journalist, do you think you would have been put on the board of Burisma? If your name wasn't Biden, he goes, mm, I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. There's probably a lot of things in my life that, I, you know, he said probably every part of my life has been influenced by the fact that I'm, you know, the son of the vice president or whatever. Yeah. So, of course, the only reason they hired the guy and it's like it's in the correspondence. He knows right, it. Exactly. He's even talked about leveraging his name to get more money. Like I can talk to the big guy, if you know what I mean. So so 
correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably you, you probably followed a lot of this with the, the Michael Flynn stuff. I remember reading mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I think it was Sally Yates. Someone said they were really concerned about Michael Flynn when he said Russia isn't our biggest threat. China is. And that prompted them to start spying and investigating him and whatever. But he was right. Yeah. Even Obama called Russia, what, a regional power? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, Russia is the most powerful villain on the planet? Oh, please. And remember what he said to Romney, too, in the debates. Romney was talking about why Russia is our biggest geopolitical foe. And Obama laughs at him and he goes... Take your Cold War ideology, this, that, and the other thing, and get rid of it. Like, it's. The 1980s are calling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the 80s are calling and they want their foreign policy back. Like, this is, like, Russia was never, post Cold War, Russia has never been an, uh, that big of an issue. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I can't even believe I'm saying that as someone who's like a pretty committed Russia hawk. But it's insane the way that they can, they can blow them up into a boogeyman and a bad guy who's hiding behind every rock, who is, is, is out there waiting in the wings to, to disrupt whatever you know, it is. And at the end of the day, all that does is help Russia. If you follow, if you follow the case out, all that does, if all of us are sitting here scared by Russia, you know who's just had an incredible return on their investment? Russia. Putin. Yeah. I have a, I have a really good idea. I want, I want to animate a little cartoon where it's, <laughs> it's Brian Stelter with a push broom and he's like, you know, trying to clean up and there's little Putins running around and he's like trying to, <laughs> s- you know, shuffle them out of the room and he's like, you know, puts his hands on his hips like, <laughs> amazing. Little, little Putins running around yeah. and they're like knocking things over and making a mess and he's like, oh, and yeah. That'd be funny. That's, 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 that's good. It's, it's, it's a more, uh, hokey and family friendly version of where they actually live. I think to them, it's more like Slender Man. You remember Slender Man? Oh, of course. You know what that was? Uh, no. Creepypasta days. It was like, it was like, it was like a game, I guess. Or I don't, yeah, it was a creepypasta. And then there was like a game where you're like walking around this really nightmarish looking woods. And then all of a sudden you turn around and Slender Man is right there in front of you. And you're like, ah, that's what it's like for them. You know, they're like, you know, they, they open their refrigerator to put the milk away and Putin's in there. And, ah, ah. But it's, just and it's because it's easy, right? Yeah, it's uncomplicated, right? And I think when, like, if, you, if you've got to wade into the China stuff, it becomes a lot harder. You've got an ascended power. We don't really know what to do. We're, we're entangled with them in so many different ways. Russia's easy. Russia's been the bad guy for 60, 70 years. Like, since the end of World War II, Russia has always been a super good bad guy. And all you have to do is plug it into the James Bond sort of mentality of, like, look, these are the same bad guys we've always fought. This is the Cold War redux. It's happening all over again. And I think part of it is they just got hooked like it happened once and it worked right they were able to sell the american people unfortunately really really well and really really convincingly that it is russia they're the bad guy they're the threat and they're not going away and so now when something new comes out it's so easy to just take that idea and drop it right into this narrative they've already gotten this new information this is really great interaction between uh the washington examiner's chief congressional correspondent Suzanne Ferreccio, I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong, torches Brian Stelter for dismissing Hunter Biden news, defending Russia coverage. This is, this is really, really, really interesting. So we have this tweet from the Washington Examiner where Ferreccio, it says, discusses media's treatment of the Steele dossier versus Hunter Biden's email, yeah. saying, now we have ethics? Oh, okay. And Brian Stelter of CNN goes, don't you dare. Don't you act like newsrooms didn't have ethics in 2017 and 18. They didn't. And, and, and you know who, who doesn't now? Brian Stelter. Yes. That dude is one of the most unethical and duplicitous people on TV. And I, and, 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 you know, I, I've made his acquaintance on several occasions and it's amazing how far he's gone in, in taking this role at CNN. He's effectively gone from a media critic of the New York Times to a, a reality TV show about how the Russians are out to get you and Donald Trump is evil. And that's all the show is. It's he, he brings on echo chamber personalities. He doesn't bring yeah. anyone to challenge his worldview. I'll tell you, to be honest, We've been, I've been trying to book leftists come on the show. They don't do it. Yeah. They won't. They, 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 they love to publicly say like, I'll go on your show. And then right. privately, I, I, actually, I don't want to We got one on for show. next week. Oh, we do? We do. 
Oh, excellent. Well, we'll don't say who it is because no, they'll, <laughs> they'll get they'll get attacked by people. Yeah. Seriously. So, I mean, I, I, I would like to have a, a, a challenge, you know, or, or at least different perspectives. I don't care where right. they come from. Now, nah, all they do on CNN is regurgitate the same talking points. And Brian Salter will be like, so uh, this is Russia, isn't it? And that's that's absolutely correct, Brian. This is 100 percent Russia. And uh, we, ha- we have a conservative here. And the conservative goes, I'm actually a conservative, though I support Joe Biden. And I also agree right. it was Russia. Yes, exactly. It's it, the the range of perspectives is like it's the super apologetic Lincoln project out <laughs> to Che Guevara or so. And it's uh, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Getting back to the Steele dossier points, I think this is a good one. Don't forget, too, it wasn't just that the Steele dossier was accurate or that it was valuable or it was good. They made this thing into like a reality TV show itself. Right. There was, I mean, Jane Mayer had that super long piece in, what was it, the New Yorker, New York Mag, where she talked all about Christopher Steele's background. They made a hero out of this guy. <laughs> Everything, all of it. And it, like, I, I remember because I obviously have a thread on this, too. Well, so, so hold, hold, we got to slow down. There's probably a lot of people who don't know what the Steele dossier is. Good. You're right. Yeah. So, Steele dossier, um, Way back when, uh, in the the early aughts of 2015, 2016, the um, so long ago. Yeah, yeah, which which oddly I can't believe I'm saying this. It seems like simpler times, it right? Does, I, yeah. At least there wasn't a global pandemic. I don't know. Things I think things were simpler. Um, the the Clinton campaign uh, reached out to a, a former MI5, so British intelligence uh, individual named Christopher Steele, who uh, as part of a, a team of individuals pulled together what was meant to be originally an Oppo doc that then I think the Republicans got their hand in. This guy Steele basically got contractors it was, it was like, like to smear Trump. Background is supposed to be damaging background on Trump. And so when it first broke news, BuzzFeed was the one who got their hands on the content. Um, and they pretty, you know, un- unscrupulously pushed all of this out. Steele at the time, I guess kind of to his credit said, listen, I can't speak for all of the underlying allegations here. I think w- whenever you pull together a dossier like this, you're relying on secondhand sources. You don't know the veracity of all the information that might live here, but I think it's probably 85% true. Was, wasn't in the steel dossier like accusations that Donald Trump hired hookers to pee on a yes. bed? This is where the P tape comes from. <laughs> this is where the P tape comes from. And These it was, people it, are nuts. and it was the bed that, if you remember Obama the story, gonna, this yeah. is the bed that Michelle and, and Barack uh. Obama slept in when they were there too. <laughs> like it's, again, like we laugh at it now because it's so palpably I absurd. Back, I laughed back then. But dude. no, what, but it's insane because so many people, particularly in the media, they bought it. And there were so many people too who would look at it and say, well, maybe the P tape isn't true, but the rest of this stuff, all this underlying information, he said that he was in Russia. He was in Russia. And this is where you get you've got all of these unsubstantiated allegations floating around. A lot of them sound bad. No kidding. It's oppo research. Like the whole point is that it's supposed to sound bad. And the guy in charge of pulling it all together says, I don't know if all this is true, but our entire media ecosystem, because this is in the, the hot and heady days right after the 2016 election, turbocharged all that directly into the mainstream narrative it's, it's, about Trump. It's, it's almost like a circle of jerks were spreading <laughs> huh. information among each other. <laughs> Very much like a certain individual who recently enjoyed oh, a, no. a <laughs> CNN analyst who enjoyed a, uh, a Tubin? bit of personal yeah, it Tubin. Was Tubin. It was Tubin. <laughs> yeah. So 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 check it out. This uh, uh, from uh, Suzanne um, or Susan uh, Ferreccio from the Examiner is criticizing the media for not taking the Hunter Biden laptop seriously. There's there's photos of Hunter Biden with his dad on Air Force Two. Like, we know he went, he, we know he was on the board of Burisma. So now he's accused of being corrupt. Okay. Well, the guy who founded Burisma was corrupt. They're, like, at the very least, Joe Biden's son was on the board of a company that was founded by a super corrupt dude who has fled the country now twice. Yeah. 
there's at least a little bit of corroboration that maybe we can ask about what Hunter Biden was doing. No, it's a smear. He did nothing wrong. And Giuliani just put basically his career on the line. His entire, yeah. I mean, what would you call his legacy? Everything that he's done is now on the line. He, he said that there was this... That there was illegal stuff on there involving. Oh, Hunter now we're Biden. yeah. Now we're getting into the, to the the bad stuff. Let's let's go for it. Let's 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 pull it up. Yikes! From the Examiner, Washington yeah. Examiner. Rudy Giuliani says he sent alleged sexually explicit materials involving underage girls from Hunter Biden to Delaware police. Oh, this is the Examiner. So so here's what we know. Giuliani said he did it, mm-hmm. and is that news in and of itself? Mm. Well, just the news reached out to the police and the police said we did forward the materials to, right. you know, to the FBI to, or to, I'm, I'm sorry, to the state, the state department of justice. Does it mean we have evidence? No. Does right. it mean Hunter Biden is guilty? No, he's innocent until proven guilty. And I mean, I haven't seen anything. Yeah. Now the challenge with this is no one's going to publish any explicit photographs of an underage. It's just not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. So the question now is like, what do we do 13 days out from an election exactly. with this material? And so it's it's there. I mean, there's a, let me read a little bit. They say Rudy Giuliani said on Tuesday that he shared allegedly explicit materials involving underage girls from Hunter Biden with police in Delaware. The text messages and photos discussed by Giuliani, a personal lawyer to President Trump and former New York City mayor, appear to have been found in a laptop hard drive that purportedly belonged to Hunter Biden. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Those computer materials are already in possession of the FBI. Quote, there's a text message to Hunter's father in which he says the following. And he's discussing his sister-in-law, who for quite some time was his lover, Giuliani told Newsmax, setting up the background for the exchange. He says, she told my therapist that I was sexually inappropriate. This would be with an unnamed 14-year-old girl. And that's what Biden was apparently saying. Now, I want to stop there. Biden, Hunter is saying to Joe, she accused me of this. That doesn't mean he was accused of it. Doesn't mean there's any photos. So we don't know for sure. And that's that's what Giuliani has, has actually shown. Right. Giuliani, if there was photos, he's not going to hold up a photograph yeah, for a course. camera. Yeah. So it, it, it is a, a, a conundrum. But I'll tell you this. I don't believe no matter what you think of Rudy Giuliani, he's fabricating these things. I, I'm willing to bet he gave some stuff to the police. Now, the question is, how serious is it? We won't know. Right. And here's the thing, too, like the idea that it's fabricated, right? Even setting aside anyone's personal feelings about Giuliani, that would be a felony and not just any felony. Like that would catch him in an enormous amount of very, very public legal penalty and legal problem. And so the idea that he would make all this up and fabricate it, like somebody he's got to be smart enough to know that if he does that, someone will find it. Someone will find it in the end. Maybe. I think Uh, so. But think about this. You know, James O'Keefe brought this up, that it feels like the New York Times and these media outlets are smearing him with outright and obvious lies because we got two weeks to the election. So just let her rip and deal with it later. Exactly. Because that's the thing. Like if you're like if you want, whether you're in the media or whether you're in politics or whatever it is, if you want Biden to win, now is not the time to be curious. Right. You don't want to be curious about any of this. And so I think, you know, there's there's a little bit of a the ends justify the means, I think, going on in a lot of people's heads where even the idea like, let's say let's say and I don't think this will happen, but let's say it all comes out to be bunk. It's all fake. If you're a journalist at The New York Times or CNN and you start poking around and start raising the profile of this thing and it actually is disinformation, again, no evidence that it is. But in these people's minds, if it's disinformation, then they're pulling it. They're doing what Comey did last cycle. Right. They're giving evidence to they're giving weight to people to vote against biden in the run-up to an election and they're too scared to even touch it i think if you if 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 they report on it mm-hmm. in any capacity yep. it's out there exactly and you're not going to reach every single person so the media being a, a at this point an apparatus of the democratic party is just shutting up whereas an actual news outlet's going to be like i don't care when it is 
Right. I don't care what what's happening. Let's talk about this story. So my 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 position's been basically is this dirty politics? Oh, you betcha. They're releasing this information in October yep. on purpose. Totally. They want they to help Trump win. Does that mean Hunter Biden is innocent? No, this is pretty damning information and Joe Biden seems to be involved in these like pay for play kind of things. I think they wait until the very last minute to influence an election because that's what they do. That's what Hillary Clinton was doing with Oppo research and yep. the Steele dossier. It's yep. dirty politics. Now, what are we as citizens supposed to do when we find out at the very last minute, the 11th hour, mm-hmm. that Joe Biden might be selling his name, using his son as an intermediary to bypass laws, right. essentially the loophole? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Don't vote for him, I guess. That's the first thing you can do. And so so there's a question of, is it, is it good that they waited this long? So that it's fresh in our minds. Because if they published this information months ago, everyone will forget about yeah, it. Yeah, it'd be buried by now. Like, so it wouldn't come up. And, stuff, yeah. yeah, and you right, know that, right, like, right. no debate moderator is going to touch it. It's, it's going to go down the memory hole and we're all going to forget about it. Now Trump's going to bring it up tomorrow. They're going to be like, they're gonna, Mr. Trump, uh, we want to talk to you about Black Lives Matter. And he's going to go, Hunter Biden's laptop <laughs> has photographs of underage. Oh, the problem yeah. is, if he did, that doesn't have anything to do with Joe. My opinion, if Hunter is a scheming... You know, no, no, a dirty underage girl doing guy. It's not Joe Biden. Yes. But if Biden's involved with Burisma, that's right. a problem. No, the CEFC is, is the bigger deal in my What's opinion. That? That's the Chinese. The Chinese uh, they they, they, went, they yeah. went under my understanding is the thing about Burisma is that they, tr- they they've tried to debunk this to, to an up to the up degree. It's like, you know, oh, Joe was doing it because the international community thought Shokin was was bad or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, OK, how about the China email? I saw this one dude I know. He posted Joe Biden. Uh, uh, the hunter uh, Joe Biden may be meeting an executive from Ukrainian company. Company is the like worst October surprise I've ever seen. And I just responded with the uh, the best I've seen was the email indicating Joe Biden was using his son as an intermediary to receive Chinese equity. You know, as, a, as a, through a loophole, essentially. Right. That's the big. That's the big. That's the crazy. But I'll tell you what. If Joe Biden came out. When this email dropped and these emails dropped and when the laptop dropped and the emails dropped and he said, I think everybody knows at this point that I have a troubled son. And I think many people in this country have dealt with addiction and and struggled through that. And they understand what it's like to have a loved one who does as well. And I would respect, you know, ask for privacy. And then if he actually was honest, addressed it, wasn't angry and snapping. No, you're lying. No, you're smearing me. Yeah. And he actually just he owned up to it. It would have worked in his favor. Agreed. He would have been a sympathetic dad. Who's got his troubled kid that he's trying. And you know what, man? He really could have played it up if he said, it, it, uh, Hunter is his only son now, right? Because after yeah. Bo passed. After Bo passed, yeah. If he said, I had a son, Bo Biden, who passed, it was cancer, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he says, and now my, my only child has these addictions, these problems and is struggling. And I'm doing everything in my power to, to, to keep him safe and, and, and protect him. And it's causing great, tr- you know, struggles through my family. And I will yep. do anything for my son. That would have been sympathetic. Yeah. People would have been like this poor guy, this poor guy. And there's so many people in this country who probably can sympathize with having a messed up kid. Yeah. But knowing they still love him and will do anything for him. Instead, what's ended up happening with Joe Biden is he snaps at reporters. He refused to take questions. And it makes it seem like he's the mastermind using his son to make cash. Yeah. And bring, it, you know, 
And he's obviously denigrating reporters too, right? This happened yeah. with, with Bo, what's his face from, from CBS. He, it would be one thing if he said, Hey, you know what? That's not appropriate. And then jumped into what you would just mentioned, right? And talked about a, a very, unfortunately and tragically American story about what it's like to have a loved one who's battling addiction. Yep. That uh, you're right. Like that's the sort of thing that millions and millions and millions of Americans can relate to in a deeply sympathetic way. But the fact is he clams up, he shuts down and he gets mad at a reporter for even having the gall to ask. And I, it does, it makes, it makes it look like he's got something to hide because the like i think he think, does <laughs> but, but i mean biden's been in public life for 47 years he's answered probably not lately but he's answered tough questions in front of the media he's been media trained there's a super easy way to pivot and the fact that he's not taking it as someone seeking the highest office in the land it does smell bad well i i, I can say there's one there's there's two different ways to look at it one he's lost it he's lost his edge also a good i mean come on man the dude's 70 was he 78 now or is he still 77 What's 77 he? i don't I know his birthday right? is he's 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 uh he, he doesn't have it anymore, you know? Speaking of things we're not allowed to talk about, right? What? His it's, age? It's, yeah, no, it's it's his mental health and his son's emails. Oh, those, right, those right, the two, right. the two off topics. Let me tell it's you. Tara man. Reed. I want to talk about that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, Tara Reed. The cat in the cat. Well, well, rape. He Allegedly. Sexually assaulted. Assaulted. Yeah. Well, whatever. So, uh, listen, listen. I'm, same I'm, thing. I'm 34 and I skateboard all the time. And it's funny <laughs> when, like, people comment and they're like, man, Tim, for someone in your 30s, you still got it. And I'm like, dude, when I was 19, I would jump off a building and, like, bounce on the ground and then get yeah. back up and be like, yeah, I'm 34 and I'm not doing that. I'm skating ramps. It's easier on the knees and stuff. Amazing. Listen. Um, skateboarding is something you can do really, really well when you're into your late teens and early 20s. And then when every skateboarder knows when you're 30s, you kind of chill out a little bit. But there are some pro skaters who are still in their 50s and they're still, they're doing really, really well. But we all understand how sports works. Yeah. You, how long do you play football or basketball for? Joe Biden is 77. He's not sharp anymore. He can't handle this. So maybe he used to be able to handle tough questions and now he can't. So he gets bits of, you know what it is? When people's brains don't work and they can't recall and they and and they feel constrained by their yeah. lack of ability. They get angry. They get angry, right? I see this with men a lot. Yeah, with yeah. with dementia, right? With dementia. Yeah, I, I can only imagine how frustrating it is right. to be like standing there and you're like, think. Why can't I think? Why can't I? What do I say? I'm just sick of this. No, shut your mouth. And in front of the whole world too, yeah. right? It's not like he's just a guy going about his life or whatever. He's also yeah. a plagiarist. Like, oh, he had yeah. that <laughs> problem. Yeah. Was it the that's 1988? Right. Yeah, it's yeah, or something like that. 87. Yeah. 87. I think it was 87. He dropped out because he got caught plagiarizing in his presidential did you, bid. Did you see the Johnny Carson thing? No. It's a really great bit from, uh, what, what, did, what did Carson host? The Tonight Show? Late show, well, yeah, yeah. yeah but he's, he's, he's like, he's like, did you, did you, did you see this? Joe Joseph Biden dropped out after he was caught plagiarizing. He apparently took some words from a British politician, used them as his own, and well, to reassure his staff, he said, "Listen, there's nothing to fear but fear itself." <laughs> <laughs> so good, classic. That's stand-up. good. Oh, back when stand up was good. But but then didn't Biden recently? No, no, he's been, he's, yeah, he's, he's been plagiarizing a lot. Wasn't there something recently he yeah, did? Yeah, I was, I was, I was scratching my brain for that too. Canadian. Right? Well, so, so, so that, yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. L- let me go back to the first point I was trying to make about the emails is that he may just be dull and unable and it's really frustrating to like not be able to do it anymore. Sure. But the other thing may be that he's in on it and he knows what he was doing and he's freaking out. Yeah. And so he's getting asked and he's like, shut your mouth. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing too. Like it's, it looks like 
I think that obviously it all looks bad. But can you imagine if anyone in good faith in the media or whatever it is, if they actually thought that this was something that was uh, that was a non-story, if they actually spent some time to to look into it? I think one of the reasons it looks so bad and him looking frustrated looks so bad is everyone is saying, don't look, don't look in the corner, don't look in the corner. And so what are your eyes going to do? They're going to drive right, to the right, corner. Right, right, right. Like, there's nothing else for them to do. And the, so when you have this, this concerted effort around it to make sure that no one is looking at this thing that like, I don't know, it's the 800-pound elephant in the room. But you know, you know what the media is looking at right now? What? Rudy Giuliani. God. Tucking no. in his shirt. Oh, yeah. They're trying to smear Giuliani. Yeah. This is, this is amazing. Man. The Russia what? thing fell apart. That's why. So well, here's, here's what's fascinating. There is illicit, uh, uh, illicitly obtained footage of Giuliani. And there's a photo that was published where he's leaning back on a bed with his hand, like, partially down his pants. Mm-hmm. And and I was reading the story and it said, because th- these, these news outlets want to insinuate something, but they struggle to because they'll get sued. Yeah. And it said Giuliani laid back and fiddled with his untucked shirt as if to imply what? what? The yeah. photos make it look they're trying to make it seem like Giuliani got caught by Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen trying to like hook up with a young journalist or something in a hotel room. When in reality, he was tucking in his shirt. He did an interview. They took the mic off. And when they when they when they mic you up, they have to put it through your shirt. Right. Yeah. Right. So he probably had to untuck a piece of his shirt. Run the mic up, the lapel, Makes sense. put on his jacket. And then when they took it down, he was leaning back, an old fat man, you know, yeah. tucking his shirt in. Then they used that to make it seem like he was doing oh something gosh. else. So, 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 so here's, here's what's funny. Giuliani says, I've got text messages. Here's an email. And they go, well, we don't know if this is true. Yeah. And then Sasha Baron Cohen goes, I am Barrett and here is Giuliani. And then they're all like, everybody look at Giuliani. He's yeah. getting naked or something. Something. Yeah. I mean, it's, the, the entire media who just lectured us for a really long time about how we have to wait for things to shake out and wait for more evidence uh-huh. to develop, or else it might be someone who is deliberately trying to mislead us, can, <laughs> one, can 100% jump the shark as soon as it becomes convenient for them, right? And I think this is why, the, you know, we brought up the Steele dossier earlier. I think this is why a lot of conservatives look at the, these, hey, don't, don't look at the man behind the, behind the curtain and say, You've never, you've never cared about this before. When have you once showed even a, a tiny, tiny modicum of reservation before accepting a story when it's helpful and convenient for you? And they just did it again. They're in the middle of ignoring another story that matters and they jump the shark on something else that is very clearly tied to it. You, you know what I think? Like, uh, the, the Democratic Party and the establishment left, it seems to be a chicken running around with its head cut off, right? Yeah. And I don't think anybody cut its head off. Like Trump didn't do it. Trump came because they were frantic and 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 spra- like you know spastic. Yeah. I think maybe they just uh, uh, the establishment po- po- politics of this country just eventually lost its will and strength. And maybe maybe it's Hillary Clinton's fault. Yeah. Like maybe instead of the Democrats finding a strong charismatic leader to carry the party forward, Hillary demanded it. And right. she wasn't the person who was supposed to lead them. Yeah. And that resulted in a, in a substantive weakening of what the left was. And so the reason I bring this up is I'm, I'm thinking about Sasha Baron Cohen and what he's trying to do. And I think 10 years ago, like when was Borat? When did it first come out? Yeah. It, 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 is, it was, ago. look, yeah. back in the days of Jon Stewart, you had very smart liberal individuals who in good faith mocked things that were ludicrous. And, you know, John Stewart, like, like what we might, I mentioned this before the show, but he's even praised Project Veritas back yeah. in the, back in the day. And, and James O'Keefe has, I think, I think he may have tweeted about it at some point. James, uh, 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 John Stewart was like, they did good journalism. They exposed this. Yeah. And he even showed like the acorn investigation Veritas did. And he was like, tell me this does not get worse. And he uncritically was showing Veritas like, this is, this is, this is amazing stuff. Yeah. Today, 
after John Stewart leaves, after Obama, you know, leaves in 2016, there is a power vacuum in the Democratic Party and the establishment left in this country where there's no charisma anymore. Right. Hillary Clinton certainly did not have any. And then they started creating all of these like plastic versions of John Stewart. So John Oliver, Jordan Klepper, Samantha B, Trevor Noah, they do not understand what made the Daily Show fun and interesting and exciting. Right. So now what what you get is and looping back to Sasha Baron Cohen it it's I don't know, make fun of conservatives, yeah. I guess, and people like it. So what's happened is they've created this political structure based on people with low, like low information individuals right. who don't do research, who don't read news, who literally get their news from Trevor Noah or John Oliver. When people were getting their news from John Stewart, it was kind of bad, but it wasn't that bad because John Stewart still would like show you Veritas and yeah. uncritically be like, can you believe this stuff? So you were getting your news in a fun and, and interesting way where someone was being funny to replicate this. B-tier individuals who didn't have the charisma or talent of someone like Stewart looked at his show and misunderstood what right. made it interesting. And they said, you know what he does? He makes fun of conservatives. Mm-mm. So you end up now with these like, look at John Oliver. I love this. John Oliver, when his show last week tonight first started, you know, first started airing when it first came out, it was always blowing up on Reddit and, and getting you know, upvoted to uh, crazy okay, every okay. single time. And then one day, it slowly started going down, and people were posting it less and upvoting it less. And I noticed in the comments, people were saying, dude, all of his jokes, his shows are the exact same yes, show right. with different proper nouns. He would do the exact same thing. And that's yeah. why the meme of current year, little Timothy, <laughs> it's current year, because that's his, he had, they, they took one Stuart joke, yep. wrote it out and said, replace this and this and this, and we have a story. Yep. And so that's what the show was. So what happens when you create a bunch of knockoff plastic versions of what was once charismatic and entertaining to the left, you get something boring and unwatchable. But the low information individuals who like shows like Big Bang Theory with laugh tracks, (laughs) no offense to Big Bang Theory uh, viewers, but it's like it's you watch a show with a laugh track because they tell you when to laugh. Right. You watch John Oliver because he tells you when the joke is because the joke is at the same point every single time. Right. You're not getting real information anymore. And you know you're never going to be the butt of the joke, right? And I think that's one of the keys oh, yeah. for someone like Oliver. In a way that Stuart, like, he it, he was always happy to be a circular firing squad. He'd take shots at anyone. He'd take shots at himself, whatever it is. But I think one of the reasons why so many people, particularly right now when things are really scary for a lot on the left, are so drawn to a format like that is they are always the good and righteous one. And the person being laughed at is always someone else whom they don't like. And honestly, at the end of the day, probably don't know. I think one of the, one of my favorite anecdotes that I always come back to is there was a, a, a journalist who did an interview with other journalists about the number of people who they knew who owned a Ford F-150, the, the, what, the biggest selling car in the country. And they didn't know anybody. They didn't know anybody. It was like, <laughs> it was like, it was like one in 15 journalists or something oh, knew wow. someone who had an F-150. Whereas everyday Americans, it's like one in one, right? And so when you've got this, uh, a, small and now narrowing group of people who are all laughing at the same joke over and over again within what is essentially a coddled safe space yeah. where they know it's never going to be them. Nothing they do could ever be wrong. It, it becomes like a, it's comfort food for them rather than something that's entertaining. We're going there. Jeffrey Tubin. No. Cranking one out. on no. a bit, on, and, and, here's, and here's why I'm bringing this up in this context. The BuzzFeed article <laughs> when they said, who among us? What? And I'm like, Me? most, listen, these journalists, they all live in New York. BuzzFeed, Vox, all these progressives, you can probably walk a block and be at the next office for the next digital blog, political blog, lefty progressive blog. They all hang out with each other. They all know each other. They all they they have things called journal lists. 
you remember this scandal where the journalists would be on these they, all these different companies? Oh, yes, 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 yes. They, they, they were called journalists, and I think it was made by the Vox guy. I'm not entirely sure. Sounds right. And so what you have is 200 New York-based journalists all sharing information and be, creating an echo chamber among themselves where they're talking about what they think is happening, and they have no idea what's really happening. So when you say they don't know anybody was a Ford F-150, which is like the top-selling vehicle yeah. or whatever, I, I, I understand the point you're trying to make, and I think the Jeffrey Tubin thing is a better point. That they would post an article thinking it was funny to say that they whack off during business meetings. And I'm like, do you think that's relatable to the hardworking, you know, uh, carpenter or yeah. electrician or plumber? I'm pretty sure plumbers has never occurred to them that during work they could crank one out. Right. I mean, maybe some weirdos. Oh, for sure yeah. it has. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Ian's like, yeah. No, definitely. no. We're talking <laughs> plumbers. Shout out to all the plumbers out there. Listen, here's what I'm saying. When I heard that story... And I'm like, I know they're not really serious, but they thought it would be funny to be like, come on, weren't you in a business call and you did something? And I'm like, I take my work very seriously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I haven't done so, anything. Yeah. I haven't. There were like, because in the article, they're saying things like you've muted it to, you know, do something. You've gone to the bathroom oh, or whatever. Sure, sure. I'm like, I've never done anything like that. Well, I will not. I will like I will I will leave the computer and say, hey, guys, like I got to go. I'll, 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 I'll you know, call back yeah. in, in a few minutes if I had to go to the bathroom or something. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm on a business call, I'm on a business call. But what, what, what you get from here is, first of all, they think it's relatable to claim they whack off during business <laughs> meetings. Okay, Jeez, if that's dude. funny to them, I get it. I'm laughing at them, not right, with them. Exactly, yeah. exactly. They, think, they think everyone who reads that article is laughing with them. Like, we all do it. <laughs> no, yeah. that's just you weirdos you. Right. in New York with weird problems. And weird friends, right? Because yeah, I think right. the, the, the other thing, the other reason it's so funny is they can probably look at all seven of their friends and say, hey, don't like, <laughs> like oh, you guys all do this too. They're like, oh, yeah, goes yeah. Who doesn't do that? It's like, oh, look, all seven of us do this. I'm sure everyday <laughs> Americans are the exact same way. And I think it's, it's, it's one of an innumerable number of different cases where people in the media are really, really bad at generalizing out what an everyday American looks like. Right. And so you saw, I think this is why Trump caught everyone by surprise. Because yeah. like, you had a whole lot of journalists who looked at all their friends and none of their friends were voting for Trump. So how could there be people out there? Yes. And, you, and you saw, like you remember right after the right after the 2016 election, the New York Times did like, they, they had this big push where they were going to go out to the heartland and it's hysterical. It's like, if you remember those those videos of like British explorers contacting the uncontacted <laughs> tribes like yep. in, in the Brazilian rainforest. What's, what's the name it's, of the guy who does those names? David Attenborough? Yeah, that? David Attenborough. It's like, it's like they are, they are David Attenborough. And Nicholas they're, they're like, stuff. yeah, they're finds the, a wild Trump supporter. Exactly, <laughs> leaning his Ford F one fifty. Exactly, exactly. And like in reality, they're like at a bar in Pittsburgh, and they're like, oh, can you, do they have running water here? I don't know. This is so bizarre. And it's like, and it's it's true. Like it's and it's it's easy, I think, for for most normal people to laugh at. But they're just so. It's a community of people who are are, are really unbelievably insular, and yeah. even their their most their their closest concentric circles going outward are also very very insular. And so when they think of when they think of a Trump voter, it's like. Like, oh yeah, I guess I do have that one racist uncle with a big Trump sign in his yard. Right. Uh -huh. Like that's it. That's all they can yeah. conceptualize, and so it becomes really easy to paint people within those narratives. So They've never been this, to a suburb. This really reminds me of what um, the author of The Hunger Games is talking about when she talked about the capital. Oh yes, She's very Definitely. much talking My about favorite the books. I will exactly. Admit. I know. I love them. I was saying you know, them. you know. I freaking yeah. love them. And and she talks about the elites and the people who, while other people were starving, she would talk about how they would have to make themselves throw up so they could eat more and yes. they would I love have all that. this color in drink their this hair. Like, yeah. yeah why it'll, it'll make, make you throw up so you can eat more eat more yeah, yeah. like uh, who among us hasn't whacked off in a meeting Those exactly who, exactly. <laughs> <care about> work <laughs> who among us has dyed yeah. our hair green while the city is being bombed exactly. to rubble exactly. i mean it's happening all it's the time normal. in the capital don't Listen, you remember i remember when i first set foot in a news office a digital blog so 
When I was 18, I got a job with American Eagle Airlines. Mm -hmm. I was loading baggage into planes, lifting between 30 and 50,000 pounds per day, doing manual labor, getting calluses and all that, and getting paid 10 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky to take home a couple hundred bucks, you know, every other week or whatever, pay my bills. And it was struggle. I wasn't making enough to, to cover rent. It was really tough. And then, you know, I, I, I ended up getting a job and slowly started making my way through life, doing better and better. Then I went to Occupy Wall Street. I got some notoriety and eventually I got interest from a company and said, we want to hire you to come into our newsroom. And I said, OK. And I remember the first time I stepped foot in that newsroom and I saw these people literally doing nothing. And I said, how much do these people make? And they're like, you know, it was vice, to be honest. So not a whole lot. <laughs> people were getting maybe like 35 to 50. Depending yeah. on the job they were doing. And I was like, wait, 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 wait 35,000 a year to do what? Well, he writes about, uh, uh, you know, he writes like snarky articles about like doing drugs and like having sex. <laughs> and I was like, wait, 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 wait. Like you got a guy who comes in whenever he wants, sometimes doesn't even come in. Right. Who publishes a couple articles uh, per, per week or whatever yeah. from other people <laughs> who submit them. And he's getting paid double what I got doing backbreaking labor. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Right. Hurts a little bit. These people in these ivory tower jobs get paid double or triple what what actual working class people do. Uh, uh, what actual working class people get paid, and they write garbage nonsense. And now the best part: none of them write about like communism. Like Teen Vogue, didn't Teen Vogue oh just call God. for abolishing capitalism Teen, or something? Teen Vogue weirdly has taken like a, this so kind weird. of like <laughs> like 1970s Central America view on, <laughs> on economics and how it works, which is like it's uh, my understanding. Like the reason Teen is in the title of it is that it's it's for children, right? And so <laughs> yep. it is very bizarre. Like they 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 had like a they had like a, a glossy piece on Antifa and what they're really right. going for. They had the anti-capitalism piece. It's the, the, remember the pro Marx one they did? Yeah, that was so my amazing. God. It was like on his teen, birthday teen, or something. Yeah, Teen Vogue was like Karl Marx and like praising him, and I'm like, this is hilarious, dude. But it's it's funny to us, but it's actually kind of scary if you think about it. Yeah, like you've got some dumb 14 year old being like, Karl Marx is so cool. He like he wants to seize the means of production. That's like the coolest thing right. ever. Right. Uh-huh. And do you remember how impressionable you were at 14? Like, dude, I would have believed dude. anything at 14. And like all, and this is I think why, rightly, conservatives have really started to wake up of of late to the the risk and the danger of government schools and like the yeah. sorts of things that kids learn day in and day out. Because you're you're uptaking that stuff super casually. It's flow and it's you're taking it up as history or science or math or whatever it is and you just think that it's true in the same way that if you're a 13 year old kid you pop open teen vogue and in between like how to do your hair and like how to put on makeup or whatever you have this glowing piece on Karl marx and the benefits of seizing the means of production you ever read it goes up with it you ever read cosmo oh of course like how it's like it tells you to do really awful things that no one likes it's like with when you're in your bed with your boyfriend try using a steak knife yeah it's like <laughs> whoa what what are you like, who's writing this but that's it's it's i bring that up because I think Teen Vogue definitely, and, and publications like it, got uh, indoctrinated in a sense where they hired people who had these weird views, who then yeah. tried pushing these politics. But I also think it's it's algorithmic. It's it's the kind of content that feeds yeah. into precon- preconceptions and will generate clicks, generate controversy. Of course, we're talking about them now. Yeah. So that's good. And, you know, the haters who like Karl Marx and communism are going to be like, I'm going to go check out Teen Vogue and maybe I'll enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to come across the radars of other people because, I don't know, someone like you or I retweets it and they're like, look how dumb this is. And all that matters to them is they're, they're getting the views, they're getting the eyeballs, they're getting the ad dollars. You know, the way I view the media is like we're in this big uh, pool of water and there's a maelstrom. That they've all been sucked into where they're spinning around in circles, feeding each other BS. <laughs> yeah. And we're watching them go crazy. And we're over here like, what are they 
these poor people are trapped in the psychotic, paranoid, delusional world of right. Russia and this other, you know, whacking off on camera or something mm-hmm. like it's a normal thing. Yeah. They're f- separated from the rest of us. Yeah. And you know, the, you know I, I have to go back to this example. If you've listened to my content, you probably heard me bring it up several times, but it is the best possible example ever of how Trump knows this and Trump manipulates this and Trump knows the regular people better than these media companies do. Do you remember in the, in the first 2015, 16 cycle when Trump had a very expensive steak cooked well done with ketchup? Yes. Oh my God. And yes. what was the media's response? They Freaked mocked out. him. They belittled him. They laughed at him. Beans. What kind of a, a, a dry aged <laughs> uncultured, steak, yeah. uncultured. And then I can just imagine what it must have been like for my family when we were getting those dollar T-bones that were garbage from Walmart. And so we cooked them through and slopped ketchup on them because we couldn't afford anything else yeah. to be one of those working class people who's making half. You're, 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 you're 45. You got a family yep. and you make half the amount of money as some, some college grad, you know, writing about Brad Pitt's junk. <laughs> and then they start insulting you and your family saying, haha, you moron eating right. your garbage steak with ketchup. You're pathetic. And you're like that, that guy up there, he eats the kind of steak I do. Yeah. These people were writing in the news. They just think they're better than me. Yeah. That, yeah, that was it for a lot of people. And then you see the lies. So you like Trump really, I, I don't know if it was on purpose or Trump just likes eating steak with ketchup. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It doesn't even, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not, right? right. All, all that, all that matters is that people believe a, a certain thing to be true. A whole bunch of people, like every other excuse they take, they jump down Trump's throat for it. And all he has to do is step back and let them like, uh, you know, let the circling firing squad shoot itself out of bullets. And he knows it will happen. He always knows that it will happen. You heard how he walked out on 60 Minutes, right? Yes. I think he did that on purpose. I think he planned it. 100%. He, he planned it in 100%. advance. I'm willing to bet. I'm shocked. I saw someone tweeted about this too, but I'm shocked it didn't happen earlier, right? This it, It's interesting that this isn't a card he has played sooner, but like, of right. course he has. Like, he's been very clear about what he thinks the media looks like. And it, when he says it, it is very relatable to but, lots and lots of people. So think about this. You, you're right. It, it, it's, it's, it's almost surprising in my opinion that he didn't do it sooner. No, he was waiting for just before the election yeah. to make a big play. Right also think about this. He tweeted that he wanted to release the footage. Right. So anyway, let let me back up. For those that aren't familiar, there was a 60 minutes interview. CBS Leslie Stahl was going to interview Trump. 45 minutes in, he storms out, complains about the journalists not wearing a mask. (laughs) Preemptive strike. Oh, 100%. So that way they wouldn't say. So anything about COVID, it's he's he said it about them first. Yeah. Then he said, I, in the interest of like transparency, will release this footage so that people can know. Wait, wait, wait. He was filming it. Trump went into that interview with his people filming the 60 Minutes interview. He planned the whole thing. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, we'll see. People don't realize that 60 Minutes in these traditional news programs edit. And I love yeah. seeing the unedited versions when they when you do get some undercover camera. Yeah. I don't know. Was it undercover? He filmed it. He's going to really he said he'll publish it. He should. And, and this is the thing, too. I think one of the things like, you know, everyone in the business, I'm sure, would sit there and be like, oh, I can't believe you do that. It's so unethical. But to an everyday person, they're like. Well, why don't you just run the unedited thing? Like, like if this, it, I think it gets back to a lot of what Trump ends up doing, where if this scares you, if, if what happened and the full accounting of what happened <laughs> is something that you don't want to hear, why is that the case? And what does it say about you that you are so determined to edit these sorts of things to fit a certain narrative? Because I think everyday people are going to look back and be like, well, why wouldn't they just play everything that he said? Why wouldn't they just run this whole thing through? You know, what's crazy is that people don't realize Compared to where we are now in terms of long-form podcasting, every single interview that wasn't live ever was edited out of context. Yes. So, but, but the thing was there was acceptable out of context moments for right. a lot of people. So I remember 
we know when I worked for Vice and many other companies, you would be like, we have a 15 minute slot, which means it's actually going to be like 12 and a half or whatever. So you would do an interview with someone that would be 45 minutes. And then here's what happens. You'll say something like, you know, when was the last time you baked a batch of chocolate chip cookies? And the response would be something like, wow, well, you know, my mom used to bake cookies like that. Well, for me, you know, there's this place I really love that has this great, uh, they've got all the good ingredients. But for me, it's been about a week since I baked cookies. They'll cut out the whole part about my mom made cookies and I yep. love to go to this boutique shop because they don't feel it's irrelevant. They just yeah. wanted, they wanted your answer on how, uh, their question was, when was the last time? So they cut out the conversational context that might be really important to someone. Now, back in the day, most people would be like, I don't really care. They cut out the part where I mentioned that my mom used to make cookies, yeah. but it's still changing the context in a, in a certain way. So 60 minutes might try to be honest, but they do condense and remove very important points. Notably, you might have a moment where Trump has asked a question, takes him 15 seconds to answer. Yeah. They'll cut that right out because it's like a waste of time. We can't have dead air. Right. But if you watch that, you might be like, whoa, dude can't answer the question. Yeah. This is taking him a long time. Right. Or maybe he like looks over at Kaylee McEnany or something. Those things get cut out. Yeah. And so that might be bad for Trump. That's just an example. They probably do it for Biden. Yeah. 60 minute condenses this. For a show, like everybody else, they'll probably say, no, no, our standards is that this, that, and this. But I think about why is it so many people wanted, you know, a, a debate on Joe Rogan? Right. Because that would be raw and yeah. real. And you'd have just this straightforward conversation. Go for it. You know what I would do if I was debating, uh, if I was moderating a debate between the Joe Biden and Trump? What? Late, uh, uh, you know, for, former Vice President Biden and President Trump. The topic is foreign policy. Have at it. And then I'd get up and walk yeah. away. I want to see them have a conversation. Right. I want Trump to talk to Biden, not to us. Right. I want Biden to talk to Trump, not to us. I want to hear Biden say, no, look, man, you know, when you 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 were over there and you're doing this, you're cutting us out of these deals in the Paris Agreement. And then I want Trump to be like, no, you're nuts. What you know about? I want to hear that. Yeah. I want to hear them talk to each other. We don't and get here's that. Here's the thing. Most people do, too. And I think this again, this is what what helped Trump get elected in the first place was he looked at the American people and said, hey, you know what? For a really long time, different people. In politics, right and left, in the media, have been keeping something important from you. And I'm going to be here, and we talked about this last time, a bull in a china shop, to come through and just give you everything. Knock down all the walls, knock down everything, and it's going to be raw, it's going to be unpleasant and cringeworthy sometimes, but it's going to be about as close to the truth as a good approximation is going to be able to get. And so I think that's why when he says... I'm just going to air the clip. I'm just going to play it. It's it. This is what yep. happened. You're going to see it. It's the sort of thing where a lot of people, particularly a lot of people who aren't super tapped into the media or super tapped into the news or super tapped into politics are like, wow, yeah, like I've kind of got this perception that I've been lied to and, and kind of bamboozled here for a long time. And even if the truth isn't pretty, I would really like to see that. Do you, do you remember when Trump did that interview, sit down interview with Chris Wallace at the White House? Yes. And yeah. everybody said it was bad for Trump and he looked terrible. I think they're wrong. Yes. I think that's the pundit class sitting in there in their, you know, sitting on their Zoom meetings, whacking off to each other <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the camera muted. And they don't realize that Trump had a long, a long form sit down conversation where he was willing to do it. Right. And the fact that he was willing to do it probably is so refreshing to so many people yep. that Trump could be sitting there in a two hour long conversation. This is what his rallies are about. Right. He doesn't have a script. He just starts just talking. Goes. And so people finally feel like, you know, you, uh, let me stop. You know what I can't stand more than anything? I worked for an environmental nonprofit when the Deepwater Horizon disaster happened in the yeah, Gulf. Yeah. All that oil spilled. And I remember right when it happened, I was like, I know what's going to happen. They're going to offer up an excuse. They're going to apologize, say it won't happen again. They're going to don donate to a nonprofit. It's yeah. going to be the typical canned response. And we're never going to hear the truth about what really happened or why. 
Their PR company is crafting the plastic message to say that everyone expects it's not real. The politicians do it all the time. Yep. I guarantee you, if Eric Swalwell farts on camera, he'll deny it. He won't <laughs> own up to it. It will be fake. We know you farted, dude. Remember that? Yeah. Yep. And when oh, Joe yeah. Biden, oh, yeah. Listen, you just got to be like, yeah, people fart. You know, it was a it was a mug in studio. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It's like, of course, just be real. But and so here, here's, I think, a, a big part of it is. There are a lot of people in media who would see something like that, the Trump sit down interview with Matthews, and they'd be like, wow, back when I was on the Hill, back when I was prepping someone to go in an interview, that would be a disaster, mm -hmm. yep. right? And it does, it's, it's got nothing to do with the content. It's got nothing to do with what he says and whether or not any of it made sense. It's, I would never want my boss to be unscripted. I used to work on the Hill. This is what you do. So much of your job is making sure that your maybe crazy boss doesn't go off script <laughs> because you've got an entire team of people who spend all day developing and designing scripts for what they do and what they say and how that whole narrative flows together. Trump, <laughs> to his, I mean, sometimes definitely not to his credit, but even to as someone like me, who's not wild about the guy, can admit, to his credit, he doesn't have that. And so it's very obviously, even when it's not good, it's very obviously real in a way that so many people uh, understand politicians to not be like that. The media is becoming a hyper-concentrated extract of that plastic reality. Yeah. It was bad enough when a politician would, you know, fart and be like, that was not a fart on camera. That was a <laughs> mug in studio. And yeah. you'd be like, okay, dude, we get it. Yeah. You do your PR message. I don't know who buys it. But now it's like we have these two extremes where Trump is just this raw guy yeah. who says really bombastic things very often, yep. but, but, you know, it can be refreshing. And then you have the media that is so insanely fake. It's like ridiculous when you turn it on and they're like, today Russia killed a, a you know, a, a bunch of innocent children because yep. Russia is evil. And you're like, dude, shut up. It's because it's their client, Hillary Clinton, was committing white collar crimes and they don't want to look at it. And ever since 2016, when her emails dropped and she's acid washed. 30,000 emails destroyed federal property. Oh, yeah. Uh, the media has turned a blind eye and they're going insane as a result. And now they're doing it again with Biden. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's it's why they don't, it's why they let comedians that don't target them. Like you were saying, they, yeah. they, they're soft comedians that won't, they know they're safe because they know they've got that, like, that fear of being found out because yeah. they've been backing a fraud. Yeah. Could this all be they're terrified that Hillary Clinton broke serious laws with these emails and whatever the emails reveal and so they're doing everything in their power to stop trump because if trump got a clean shot at investigation i think so like yeah. didn't, the, didn't the durham probe actually dip into the clinton email scandal i think they did yeah, yeah it, it sounds it, right and now I, I wonder you know the, uh, bill barr said the durham probe is not going to be resolved before the election right i wonder if that is a play to say if we don't win the yes, Democrats no. are gonna are gonna end the investigation so if you want the investigation to carry on you better get trump a victory Maybe, but I just, my worry on something like that is I think there's probably too much inside politics, right? I, I, I don't know that, I don't know that you can actually run on that in good faith. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to come out from no, the Durham probe. I, I'm definitely interested in hearing about it. Um, I, I wish selfishly, like I, as someone who I think would like to have more answers rather than fewer to what's going on in the world, it would be really helpful to have that going into the 2016 election for everyone. But I don't know. Like at, at the end of the day, I think that the, with the Durham probe, with the comedians, with, with most people, I try and look with a little bit less malice, maybe wrongly, but to, to look at it and say, Hey, you know what? It's probably, what I think it has to do with is a whole lot of people who see the world in a pretty monochromatic way. And all, like right. all the people who work at CNN, a lot of the people who work at the FBI, unfortunately, uh, most people who work in democratic politics, they have a certain way of viewing the world. And in simpler times, it wasn't necessarily bad. It was just different, right? And now there's 
there's a little bit of they're all in terms of the chicken running around with their head cut off they're all obviously very worked up and very concerned they have been since trump happened and it, to me a little bit it's like imagine watching a silent disco where you're the only one without headphones on and you have no idea what a silent disco is it's probably very weird and very like very confusing and a little bit con- concerning right you see all these people gyrating and moving around to a tune that you can't hear and i think for people like us that's kind of what it is mm-hmm. and that we end up seeing we see the we see the dance that they're doing it's admittedly weird and it's all in lock step but i'm not sure that it's necessarily i'm not sure it's that dark whether or not they were able to remove trump their intention had they've succeeded in their goal of obstructing him to a ridiculous degree yeah as soon as before trump was even inaugurated they were screaming russia Mm -hmm. when when the russia investigating started investigation started even during it i was wondering what's the point of all of this you know if if it's just you know i I entertained it for a while in the beginning and i was like if there's something here then you know we'll we'll figure out what it is it's really important and when it became clear there was nothing the question was like what are they doing and then i thought you know what trump can't do right now he can't fire these people right he can't fire them because they'll call it obstruction of justice like what happened with comey Exactly. Yeah. So they, they froze him for three years, basically. He could not do a ton of what he wanted to do and get rid of these bureaucrats. Then, as soon as he gets through that, Ukraine. Same yeah. thing starts. They would not give him a chance to make any moves. And then he started getting rid of some of these people and, you know, making some changes. Now, I really wonder if he's going to win again because they cannot give him a clean four years. So I, I'm wondering how, how insane if... The Senate flips Democrat. Yeah. It doesn't matter if Trump wins. They'll impeach him. Gone. Gone. They're going to pack the courts. The Republicans will never win again. That'll be it. One party rule. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I think you're probably right. Um, I don't know. I'm, I guess I have a little bit more optimism, a little more hope in the American people that the the packing the courts thing will be tough. I think my worry, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not, it's, it's a gut thing. It's not, it's not a thinking thing. But I think my, my biggest concern with it is that, this whole if if Biden wins, particularly if the Senate flips, particularly assuming the Dems probably pick up more seats in the House, all of this goes right back down the memory hole. Everything that happened, the three years that Trump and his administration spent having a battle against what was what turned out to be a lie, right, and something that was deliberately malicious, all of that work gets erased. All of it goes back on fire, and we never touch it again, right? Like we're, we're going to write the history books one day, and that'll be an afterthought. And to me, as someone who like I didn't just entertain it, I bought. I, I, I had a piece up in the Federalist not too long ago. Where I talked about like I bought this. I bought it pretty hard. I was a never Trump guy. I came into it, and I was like, of course he did, right? It fit my narrative that he would do something awful and terrible, and so I bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And my worry is there are a lot of other people who haven't snapped out of that yet. And if if Dems take everything in, in 2020, no one else is snapping out of it. It's, it's going to be Russia becomes canon. If the Democrats win, the history books will say yes. for a brief period, Russia controlled the United States. Right. It'll just be fact. But th- that's literally what they wrote. Like this. I know. I, I think we, we sometimes forget. I certainly forget. I end up like checking my tweets from two years ago or four years ago, whatever it was like Jonathan Chait for new york mag literally wrote what if donald trump has been a russian asset since 1987 and yep. then it, he wait, didn't wait, get left out of the do you, know, do you know the best part about that insinuation is what the soviet union is secretly still existent in existence right like, what, like or or this like, is how 
this is how smart they are that they're still behind the curtain, right? Like, right, right, right. It's insane. And the best part was what should have happened under normal times. One, his editor probably would have looked at that and be like, "Don't let this anywhere near my esteemed magazine. I don't, I don't want your your conspiratorial claptrap anywhere near this." One, two, even if it got to print, right? Even if let's say there's like there's there's a problem with New York Mag or whatever it is, and they run with this thing and they let it go, at least he would get laughed out of the room. Chris Hayes had him on his show. Plenty of people had him on their shows. Politico and other magazines were re-upping this and reiterating. A year later, John Harwood came out and be like, "This is an important, this is an important day in history because a year ago, Chait's article came out." And it's it's absurd, and I think we forget that because now, at least up until recently, the Russia stuff was gone. They didn't even talk about it. The DNC. Adam Schiff brought it back, baby. Come yeah. on. I love how the, this this email comes out, and they're like, "It is definitively Russian, in, you know, in, in, in intelligence operations." Yeah. And then Adam Schiff and all the people are immediately just like, "Well, one person said it, therefore it's officially historically true, and we're going to say it a million times." And once again, we find ourselves back. I'm gonna, uh, you know what I'm gonna say? Doesn't this all seem familiar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. What happened in September of 2016? Mm. Emails. Yeah. What happened with a laptop in September of 2016? Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. Anthony Weiner. FBI, yeah. FBI and Anthony Weiner. And what images did they find on his laptop? Underage yeah. messages or something. Yeah. What narrative was emerging against Trump? Russia. I tell <sighs> you, man, the writers of yeah. 2020 are bored. <laughs> They're like, they've run out of ideas. They're like, yeah. can we just do like a, a, a like a total, can we do a duo? You know what it is? It's a do-over. It's a total do-over. Yeah, honestly. What if that's what it is? A total do-over? And they're like... We'll do it better. But this time, we're going to do everything the exact same, but this time Trump loses. Right. We're going to flip. We're going to flip. We're going to flip who – we're going to flip the um, the people that we believe, and we're going to flip who wins the election. Mm-hmm. It's just – I think what gets me, and, and this is why it keeps happening, and the reason it feels so familiar is there was no accountability. We never had any accountability, right? Even now, looking back, we can know that these things were wrong. They were malicious. They were lies. All of these people still have jobs. None yep. of the, like none of these people have lost the columns that they have, right? Like unless they're you know revealing themselves on Zoom these days, mm. like it is impossible for these guys to to lose their job or face any sort of professional repercussions. So why wouldn't it happen again? Why wouldn't they jump at the next quickest right. easiest thing this, that might look like Russian disinformation to one un- unnamed source at the FBI, maybe that you didn't well, vet anyway? You know the secret of media: if you write a shocking and bombastic fake news article, like it's a million views, yeah. you make money. If you then retract it, you make more money on the retraction. Although the retraction makes you substantially less, you still put ads on the retraction page. Yeah. So these people know if they put out fake news, they still get paid. And so they're incentivized. The economic incentive is to pump out fake news. And I love it when journalists go like, well, I take issue with that. There's no real reason for journalists to, to lie that way. Well, maybe real journalists, but today you just have people desperate for followers on Twitter. Yeah. So they're, they're all posting the same jokes. They're all posting this, like, you know, you know what's interesting is that the, these journalists live in New York, so they're surrounded by progressive activists. Right. They want to fit in with the cool kids, so they just say whatever it is the cool kids say. Now right. the journalists are just losers trying to desperately to pander to the popular, you know, influencer or whatever. Journalists should not try to be influencers. Yes. But they're trying to be. So are yeah. politicians. Of course. Right. But I, I worry too. Uh, I agree. They definitely are. But this, this to me also gets back a little bit to the emails thing where when Dems, like when, when Adam Schiff and Chris Murphy get up there and say, Oh, this is Russian disinformation. There's a part of me that's like, okay, 
like they're 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 political hacks. This is what's going to happen. I think it's a lot a lot worse. And once upon a time, I think we all held a much higher bar for journalists and reporters to do that. It's one thing when you've got a lefty politician who runs in and says, "I want to fit in with the cool progressive kids at that trendy bar in Brooklyn," and it's another when you have someone whose sole occupation it is to bring you something that should be a good approximation of the truth. Right? The first rough draft of history is what's in the hands of the media, and so when they're the ones who are crafting that narrative and they're chasing the the like retweet if you agree types of types of retweets for progressives it ends up it's so much more corrosive i think to our body politic when they do that because the power and the influence that they have to be able to pull in other people who aren't necessarily partisans is is a lot more dramatic and so to me someone like like yamish is way more dangerous and damaging Yemi Shalsendor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yemi Shalsendor. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Yemi Shalsendor. She's the, the, I think she's the, what, the, the chief DC correspondent for NPR, who is someone who gets paid an enormous amount of money to be very popular on Twitter and to largely be indistinguishable from any progressive activist who you could imagine. But what happens is when you have people who are progressive activists who are masquerading as someone who is meant to bring you the truth, I think that corrosive influence is way, way more difficult to the rest I, of us than a Democrat doing it. I just want everybody to realize for two seconds. Ask yourself, how much money do you make doing your job? Now I want you to go to Glassdoor.com and look up writer at BuzzFeed no, and don't. Vox and Vice. Suppressing. And then when your blood boils, channel that energy into a pot of tea and, and boil that water and pour yourself a nice glass and sit back and relax and just realize what this world really is. Yeah, yeah do it tomorrow morning, actually. Yeah, don't, do it, right. don't do it before bed. You'll get really wound yeah, up. I, I agree, agree that wound. journalism's doing that is nasty, but I hate lying under oath when politicians lie under oath or people in our government lie under oath like james clapper saying yeah. that they were not wittingly spying on the u.s uh people oh, totally yeah. and they let him off and he hasn't been punished for lying under oath for committing perjury no justice that's the justice system in the united states so if we're not adhering to the justice system that's fair yeah. they're going to keep breaking the law yeah. bro it's a big club and you ain't in it i i think i am these in people it. <laughs> these people no these people are allowed to let break the law in. Let me in. What do you mean? <laughs> How, why are they allowed to break the law? Because it's a big club and you ain't in it, buddy. I mean, that's just a mockery of the system. Of course. But they're, they're above the law. So we have the best system, even though it's terrible. We mm -hmm. have problems because for too long, the American people have went, I'm just going to click dear R and walk away and not have any idea who I'm voting for. And you end up with 30-year Pelosi and 30-year Schumer and 47-year Biden. And they don't care about you. George Carlin, man. That's the yes. guy I grew up listening yeah. to. They don't care about you. They're millionaire cocksuckers who don't care about you. That's that's what he said. Yep. Yeah. And in, he's right. And like they career, don't. CIA people, forty years. How long has Brennan been in the? Ever. Ever. And that's that's the thing too. Like, even if even if you want to look at it, and like the people who who go into politics for the right reason or whatever, which to be clear, very very few I would mm -hmm. imagine do this. Like on the whole, as someone who lives in Rand DC, Paul. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the uh, only as, guy. As, as someone who lives yeah, in DC, yeah, it, it, it does seem like there's there's a certain per, a set of personality characteristics that tends to draw someone to politics, and most of them aren't good things. But even if you want to take with the, the the best of intentions for a lot of these people, year one, year two, fine. Thirty years in, forty years in, you know you've got a new book you've got to write every year that will make you a couple hundred grand and you've got tv shows and you've got people to not piss off hmm. and so that's what's happening and you're right it's no different unfortunately in so many different you know the of the the wide and sprawling bureaucracy be it within intelligence or otherwise it's the same thing it's the same people it's the same jaded sorts of personalities who have been here forever and have no interest in in changing or learning a new set of rules and right now they're benefiting from all the rules 
Yeah. Didn't used to be, uh, was it like that in the beginning? I don't know. I mean, I wasn't around. I assume you guys weren't around 200 years ago. Did they didn't have term <laughs> oh, no, limits though back then? Yeah. You were. You oh, were. definitely, yeah. Right. yeah. Vampire. Yeah. So, yeah, so sort of walking the earth for 800 years. In 1790, <laughs> they didn't have term limits ever, right? C- term, Congress term, people could well, just... Well, this was the beauty of it, right? So they don't have term limits now. No, I know. Once, <laughs> once upon a time, it was they. You know, I think this was this was back before it was a particularly lucrative career to be in to be in politics, right? And so I think part of the problem is you've got people who like there are plenty of people who are lobbyists or otherwise connected to the DC ecosystem who get paid lots and lots of money to be former politicians or to be former staffers or whatever it is. And so once upon a time, it wasn't a particularly sexy or, or, or desirable sort of job and occupation to have. It certainly didn't pay the bills. And now it's become something that is a producer of wealth and power and influence. And so people, the people who are looking for those three things are drawn to it like a moth to the flame. When, uh, when these people get into Congress, if they lose or they leave, they still retain access, security, like access to the Hill and stuff like that, making it very, very easy for them to be lobbyists. Yeah. So that's why it was actually AOC and Ted Cruz, I think, both like were teaming up on a bill yeah. to to kind of shut down this politician to lobbyist pipeline. I don't know if they were successful on it, but my respect to both of them for, for working on that. I think I think it's, you know, AOC is interesting because she is an influencer yeah. and I, I feel like she's using her position to become famous. And I think I feel like she's personally more interested in fame than she is the office. With that being said, I can definitely give her tremendous praise and credit for working with Ted Cruz on a couple of things, notably that one in particular. And I think term limits, too, was, was yeah, part of it. That, that sounds right. So, I, I, look, I, I can be critical of somebody, but I definitely want to give respect in that regard. I hope we get to some, you know, at some point figure out how to stop these. these. The, the issue is that they found a way to make money right. to become wealthy off being in office. And so anything we can do to end that pipeline where you become a politician and then immediately get access to being to, to being wealthy, that's a serious problem. We can cut Pe- their salaries. But no, even, but no, even I don't then, think that's the solution. What the heck? But even if we cut their it's only, salaries, it's only one seventy four for Congress. Yeah, like yeah, it's, 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 it doesn't need to be their full time job. They, what, how many times do they meet a week? Like twice or three times a week, and they could do it remotely. I did, it could I, be I, me doing it remotely. There's there's so much that has to go into they're supposed they're supposed to be doing work in their communities, right. helping people and then representing them to the federal government. Some of these people don't do that, but you got to understand a lot of the rank and file, uh, uh, you know, people in Congress, they do. Yeah, yeah, they're they're. I think it's what half of Congress are super wealthy. Something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, I think some of it just depends on how you call super wealthy, right? You have to be fabulously wealthy to run for office these days. That's yeah. an, an enormous uh, expense. You also, like, if you are a, a normal person you, who can't just, like, leave their job for an extended period of time to go have a dalliance with running for office, then, uh, then it's tough. But yeah, I think, I think you make a good point. I think for a lot of people, a lot of people who who tend to get reelected, particularly people in their first, I don't know, call it eight to ten years, they get reelected because the people who they come into contact with see them as actually fighting for their communities. Whether or not that's true, I think there are a lot of people who are good at making it seem like that's the case. Um, and so a, a lot of the good ones, right? And I do think that there are good ones are are doing that. They're pounding the pavement back home. They're they're collecting signatures, whatever the hell it is. But there are so many people who don't have to do that. Nancy we, Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, right. like either people on our side too, like they don't have to do that. Everyone knows who they are. They don't have to keep working so hard. And so to me, the bigger issue is when you've got someone like a Ted Kennedy who's been in office their entire life and everyone knows who they are and likes who they think they might be, then they can coast and then they can skate. How does Nancy Pelosi keep winning? It's, oh. it's, it's not just her, but I mean, Mitch McConnell too. I'm not, I'm not a fan of either of these parties. I find them all to be, 
The, the, the only reason the Republican Party, in my opinion, gets any kind of pass at this point is because Trump took a sledgehammer to the Republican Party. And he and he chased out a bunch yeah. of the, the crony politicians who like what, what several dozen have retired. Many others are just like pathetically trying to maintain some kind of semblance of actually caring about the, the American people. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think for for a lot of them, it really did upset the apple cart. They they had an idea of what they needed to do to get by and skate by in Congress. They had an idea of how the system worked. They knew who the, the good guys were and the bad guys and who they had to play off and placate. And for for so long, they got so it was so easy and so comfortable to be able to do that. And the idea like I think one of the things getting back to your question about, you know, the founding of this country, the idea of a career politician, someone who's going to spend their entire life running for office and holding office and running for office again and holding office again, that didn't exist. You had people who were part time farmers or part time whatever, right. and they would come in and they I don't know, they take their horse to DC or whatever <laughs> it was. And then they go back home. And it, it, was, it was a lot. It was a lot easier. And so now you have people who are like this is their life. This is their lifestyle in a way that's the system was never designed to do something like this, and it's it's even more poorly designed today because of the amount of money that's So we need politics. to redesign it. I think term limits are essential, congressional term limits. Maybe, but the challenge is that uh, in Congress, getting on committees and leading committees yeah. requires seniority. So it, this is all part that's of the problem. That's fine. You can learn that in two months. I think that's an no, excuse no, 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 they but, use. But it's, it's, that the, it's the because of the way the hierarchies are ordered – People who are more senior are put on individual committees based on their seniority. Maybe we get rid of it. Yeah, that's Maybe the thing. I think. It. I think if you want to, have a, if you want to have a, a system change, there's a lot more tearing down that needs to happen. Rather Definitely, than just term limits. You've really got to, I think, pull back a lot of the layers. Think about something like this: like you and your friends are all hanging out, and you're like, "We need to figure out who's going to be the person to go pick up the beer." And then you're like, "Okay, who who's doing it?" Someone first has to volunteer to be. You know, I, I'll I'll go get the beer. Like, do we guys? Do you guys want James to do it? All right, James, it's all you. Yeah. That's kind of what it used to be like. You know, you'd have this community of like back in the day, probably a couple thousand people, if that some areas, probably even less. And they'd be like, who wants to go down there and tell them what we're doing? And it would be like, hey, Bill, will you go down there and tell them that we're growing corn and stuff? It's like, OK. And he would go down and be like, yo, so, we're, you know, we're growing corn. We got a bunch of people. It's really great. Here's what we need from you guys. You know, because we got banditos coming by. And so, we, you know, we need someone to come by. And it was really like personal, personal and personable. Yeah. Now it's like there's too many people. Like, uh, have you ever seen one of the the original drafts of the Bill of Rights where like one of the first amendments was the limit on how many uh, people a congressperson could represent? Oh, yeah. I, it would I have been it would have been 50,000 people. Right. Per congressperson. And what that means is today we'd have, I think, what, like 6000 people in Congress. Yeah, Instead, right. we have 435. Yeah. Because we now now one person represents 700,000. It's impossible. So. so it, it, right. Yeah. So you look at look at uh, Ocasio-Cortez's district. She ends up winning again, even though she's not good. If you look at her record, I understand she's, she's a, she's a freshman with, she's, she's limited experience and an understanding of the political space and, and the world, but she didn't even do anything. Like right. the bills she, she co-sponsored was like renaming a post office. Yeah, exactly. And, and all she, she's, she's, she's been really, really good at making herself a celebrity. Right. Getting 400,000 concurrent viewers on, on Twitch playing Among Us. <laughs> right. Celebrity. And hey, more power to her. Congratulations. She's really good at playing that game. But when it comes to politics, she hasn't done anything right. other than botching the Green New Deal and talking about farting cows. Hmm. She's really good at generating negative press for the party. You would think anyone who was a Democrat would be like Michelle Crusoe Cabrera was way better because she was competent, mature and understood how the system worked. But they just wanted celebrity. We got a lot of problems with how our system works. And right now, one of the issues is. If you're someone who knows how to play to media, you yep. win. 
Exactly. That's and it. that's, and one of the things she's done with her staff too is she's invested very heavily in the comms fu- function rather than investing in, like, traditionally, like, you'll have a number of LAs and a number of people in your office who run policy. But if all you're trying to do is score retweets and score positive articles and build, you know, the best relationships you can with the, the editors at Vanity Fair so you can get a new mm-hmm. puff piece every couple of months, then you're going to allocate the amount of money that they all get to staff their offices and throw all of it to comms and throw all of it to Team digital joke. and yep. find a way to make sure that you are getting the positive, supportive stories that you need. They're get, they're are going to keep you in the public's attention in the public eye and keep building that celebrity status and that rock star status that she's been able to do what has she done for us nothing what what, what has Pelosi done for us what has any yeah. of these people done for us Rand Paul Rand Paul's cool that he's guy I like thing. yeah I know he's the only person right there's a couple people you know uh, maybe we're just expecting too much from these people but 400 th- people there's like 350 million of us 328 yeah, yeah. 435 kind congress 100 senators uh, no, 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 no. I disagree. I disagree, Ian. I think that these people were hired to do a job that they are not doing. They're failing. Well, I think they need to be fired. I think we need to start again. And I don't know how to do that. And I think that he's right. I think that Drew is right. I think that we need to come up with a solution to actually fix it. There are many layers that we could go into. We could go into term limits. That's the easiest thing to go off of. That's definitely not the only thing. So we should look at what it takes to fix this, this I'm, system. I'm not confident term limits solve the problem either. You know why? No, it doesn't. Because That's what I'm saying. What, what, what'll happen is you'll have some dude who's like, okay, I'm funding person A for this first run. Then once their run is expired, I have person B training and, and, and being right. ready to go. Yeah. And they all work for me. Oh. So what do you, I mean, it's probably that way and still, it's probably still that way for a lot of so special donors? interests. Definitely donors, donors special interests yeah. and stuff. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know how you solve the problem. I do think there's a solution to how we do better, but I, I, I don't know what it is. And I, 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 I'll just say this. I want to stress that I think AOC, um, and to, and to a certain degree, Trump, but Trump certainly has a better understanding of how ec- economics and trade functions. But this this element of press mogul politicians is a problem for us. Right. I think AOC is a bigger problem because she has no experience and no understanding. And she does hasn't like tr- there's a lot of things Trump has done, whether you like it or don't like it. He's done a lot of things. He's done stuff. The economy was really, really great. Yep. AOC has done nothing. She's mm-hmm. renamed like I think a couple post offices. And other than that, it's been nothing. It's been puff pieces and fluff and, and gestures that's made her famous. Now, nine point something million followers on Twitter right. for what? And they reelect to her. Right. And I think even worse, you will get generations more of AOCs, right? Nobody, yep. I don't think anyone in their right mind would want to be Trump right now. So whatever else you think of the guy, I don't think his, his situation and his position yeah. is enviable. Uh, and certainly he's probably not living the, the sort of carefree and, and easy life he probably led 10 or 15 years ago. But what you're going to end up, I think what you're going to see, and unfortunately, I think you're going to start seeing it on the right, too, and no different than on the left, is you're going to see a whole bunch of people who are probably in their teens and 20s now who want to be AOC the next cycle or the cycle after that or cycles down the road. And so you're going to end up with a whole bunch of new, a new crop of politicians who want nothing other than the star power. And right now, the way the incentives are aligned, they're going to get the followers. They're going to get the money. They're going to write books. They're going to sell out. They're going to they're going to be on all the podcasts and the TV shows and everything else. And so all of their incentives will be met. And the only person who's getting the, the short end on that deal is the American people who elected all of these people to lead them. Now, all of that operates under the assumption that from where we are now, there's no dramatic and immediate escalations, That's a good particularly point. following November 3rd. So assuming that what we see, we get increments of, I agree with you, we'll end up with a bunch, a bunch more yeah. social media influencer types who don't really do anything other than like, yo, look at my selfie. I'm on Instagram. Vote for me. And then people right. do because they're, on they're, Twitch, go- yeah, they're, they're going to do it. 
But uh, I think social media is driving a hyperpolarization, which is going to result in serious unrest and, and strife. There was a story that I, I talked about earlier today. The NYPD has been training every day for Election Day unrest. So everybody's kind of expecting this to reach some kind of boiling point. So I, I guess, you know, in that regard, I wonder what your thoughts are, yeah. Drew, on, on where yeah. we're going. You know, I, I, I go back and forth with a, with a few buddies of mine. So most of my friends are, are, are pretty left-leaning. And I think one of the things that we always come back to is, how does the fever break? Right? Like right now, I think we can all agree, whether it's chicken with head cut off or, or whatever metaphor you want to use, we're at a point where it's not tenable. And it, there doesn't seem to me to be a good, easy way to back down from the sort of abyss that we're staring into and have us come to a, a, a more peaceful understanding of our differences and the way we all work and, and what have you. So I do worry. Like, I, I think where I, where I net out to and where I always fall out to in these conversations is I'm worried that there probably will be violence before it gets better. It will continue to get worse before it gets better. And at some point, there's going to be nothing but violence. And I hope that that, I hope that I'm wrong, right? I sound a little bit, I, and I get that I sound a little bit like an extremist and a little off my rocker when I say that I think that's going to be the case, but I guess I just don't know how else we continue to move forward at the pace we're at, at the increasing kind of, it's like the music keeps getting faster and faster and there's no one right. there to shut off the music. Yeah. I and think, so what happens when we're all running into each other headlong? I think, I think right. people are scared to admit that there's going to be violence. Yeah. It's, 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 it, people are scared to say it because of their optimism bias. I think people are scared to make predictions based on how they feel because they're scared of being wrong. I don't care. I'll tell you how I feel. I think Trump's going to win. Um, I'm not entirely sure about the Senate or the House. Um, I could be wrong. I don't know for sure. I just have a feeling based on the tightening of the polls and yep. the voter registration gap, it looked really good for Trump and Republicans. We'll see how it plays out. I think there's going to be a wave, of, a, a massive wave of violence, particularly from the left. I, th I believe that may coax out a right wing response of some sort. Not yeah. entirely sure, but I, I, I talk to a lot of people and they're like, I don't think so. And I'm like, a guy walked up to some Trump supporter and put two bolts in his chest. Right. And then Antifa cheered for it. A, a security guard in Denver shot a Trump supporter in the face, and then they cheered for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, this stuff isn't slowing down. It's speeding up. Exactly. And so how – and I think what I struggle with is I don't know a way where it slows down. Exactly. And so at some point, you got to assume that it bubbles over. And you're right. I think it's I think it's very, very difficult for Americans who, you know, none of us have been alive for 150 years. We've never really seen anything like this. And so one of the models that I think is more helpful to look at rather than like a U.S. civil war or what have you is something like the Troubles in Ireland where yeah. you, have, you yeah. have two different sort of factions of people – who um, like it, it gets more and more tense and more and more frustrated. And at some point people start shooting. Have you, have you ever uh, been to Belfast? Yeah, I have. have. You, you've seen the peace wall. Yeah. You, did you look at the weird graffiti on each side of it? So this is really interesting for people who aren't familiar. So this is, uh, do you want to explain the troubles a little bit? Yeah. So um, in, in Ireland, there, there's a tenuous relationship between the Irish uh, and the English for a long time, dating back to the first British occupation was in what, like 1099, something mm -hmm. like that, way, way in the early aughts. And so um, eventually, uh, after years and years of strife, uh, the, the centuries of strife, uh, it hit a boiling point when what is now Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, seceded um, from uh, from what was then England, what's now the UK to become their own sovereign country. Um, and then we were left with Northern Ireland, which had uh, about a 50, 50 split. I think at the time of Catholics and Protestants, there was a lot of sectarian frustration and that kind of the, the spillover violence. And then eventually it all came to a head and so people you, started shooting and you would have you bombings. Had, yeah, there, exactly. There were bombings. Uh, there were shootings there. There was a, 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 the IRA, the Irish Republican army, who was a faction of, of people in Ireland who thought that by causing violence, particularly in Northern Ireland and in London, that they could get, the rest of Northern Ireland free, they right. can get the English out. So the peace wall separated the. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Two communities, right? It was like you know the. I don't. I don't want to 
I don't know the names of them, but basically I went to Belfast and I was there for that big bomb bonfire night they do where oh, they set up yeah, those. Right. Th- that's that's crazy. It's like 30 feet tall of just pallets and wood and they torch the whole thing. And it, man, it lights up this guy like like the sun. Anyway, the Peace Wall is interesting because on one side, it's very imperial militaristic. And on the other side, it's very SJW left wing. Yeah. Very stereotypically culture war. And I was asking this dude there about it. I'm like, on one side, it's, you know, pro-Palestine. On the other side, it's pro-Israel. What does that have to do yeah. with Ireland? It doesn't matter. He told me, if one side says it, the other side says the opposite. Right. And now what does that sound like today with Trump? Yeah. Trump says it. They say the opposite. That's just the way it rolls. So, yeah. And it only goes one direction. Right. And so what ended, what ended up happening? There's a, the Good Friday Peace Accords. I, after, after years of bloodshed, right? Serious bloodshed. Eventually they, they signed a peace treaty, but it's because the, the, the fire had kind of burned itself out. And yeah. my worry is we're at a point where we've got a lot of embers and the embers keep kicking up and they keep getting hotter and they keep getting hotter. And there's no one sitting around to, to throw water on the situation that we have now. And so until those embers kick up into something like a fire and then that fire burns itself out, I don't, I don't know how else we walk back. We were a much bigger crun- country yes. than Ireland and with a that- lot more guns. And that was Northern Ireland. We're talking about the entirety of the country. So my concern is that initially when we started seeing culture war conflict, street battles, a lot of people were like, oh, it's not going to get any, you know, I, I had people telling me when I said yeah. this is going to get worse. They were like, no, because the government will never allow it. They're in government. What happens when you have someone in one branch of the government who's on one side of the debate and a person in the same department is on the other side and they start butting heads with each other about who's evil, who's not? What happens when you start seeing, like, we're seeing now in, like, the Pacific Northwest, these racially segregated trainings they're doing? Yeah. At a certain point, someone's going to be like, I refuse. I'll tell you what really scares me. When, uh, you know, the, the, the trans children issue, yep. Joe Biden was asked a question about, I think, an eight-year-old trans right. child. Yep. I'm not here to make a judgment call or a moral call. I'm going to, I'm, I, because I don't want to inflame tensions worse than they are, but I tell you this. You have a, a fight happening in Texas, and I don't know what the latest development is, where the mother says the child is trans and the dad says the child is not. Right. I am worried to think about what's going to happen when one parent feels their child is being physically harmed and they have no choice but to engage in some kind of physically, you know, physical maneuver of some, of some type. Right. Whether and, you're left or right. And, and how many, and I think, it, you know, I think that's a really good microcosm, but think about how many other situations in American life that could lead to something like that. Right? Like there, there's, I, I, Part of my concern is there's so many little fires going all at once that I think individually could each be problematic. But when they all come together, right, when you have a bunch of different reasons why a bunch of different people are mad and there's two sides to to whatever the argument is, you've got two camps, you've got two teams that it is combustible, right? And you have all these individual interpersonal circumstances that are combustible set against a backdrop that is already incredibly combustible. And, and yeah, so I mean, whether it's, whether it's parents fighting over a, a custody battle like that with a child who may or may not be trans, who's, I don't know, eight years old, or a, a situation of the street rally in Portland, when you have that many sources of tension, eventually one of them is going to bubble up. And I worry that there's a little bit of a contagion going on for something like that, where as soon as people get angry and start shooting, more people get angry and start shooting. Yeah, absolutely. After 9-11, where everybody came out, I was in New York City that day, actually, okay. um, I lived there and everyone came, came out of their houses and was like sitting together on the street and talking and there's a lot of humanity and it was this tragedy that bound us and i think that there's going to be a false flag tragedy coming up i think i would imagine that they've been trying it russia's one who's they what do you mean that the u.s government will impose some sort of 
some sort of collective tragedy on us so that we don't go to civil war. Who's the government, though? Trump's fighting the government. The government's I, eating itself. I don't itself. know who runs the show exactly. No, they, there's nobody. It, well, it, there's it, the it, deep tr- state. There's the... Yeah, the intelligence agencies are fractured. I think screaming s- maybe there'll be many different people trying to trying to show us many... Di- maybe there'll be aliens, but it won't really... COVID just, didn't do it. Just be vigilant about the next unifying tragedy because it'll probably... Let's look through it instead of at it. Um, well, but, if, if what you're saying is true, it'd be a great thing for this country to well, heal the wounds. We should we should do it. We don't need a, a fake tragedy to bind us. COVID we, didn't do it, man. Yeah, no, that's COVID the thing. didn't I, do it. I worry that we don't even have unifying tragedies anymore. We yeah, don't. Well, right? it could be like a, a weather tragedy. So I, I think we should decentralize our power grid, first of all. And then if we have a tsunami, like we have three hurricanes in one season last year. We have a bunch of hurricanes recently. Yeah, this that's alone, terrifying. Yeah. So if we're getting flooding and then there's a, a, a volcano explodes and then there's a, a 10, 10 year long winter or it's not gonna do 10 month long no. winter. I mean, that was, I'll tell you what's going to happen. People support each other. And no, they that, won't. That could help. In California, when the drought hit, the cities voted to take the water away from the poor migrants in two yeah, seconds. Right. In two seconds, it was gone and their wells ran dry. And then nonprofits had to intervene and give them non-potable water. It's a lot of it's because of the central electric grid for profit. If we, no, 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 if no, no, we the, all the, had the, electricity bro, bro, this to is share. Water. The well, drought you can make happened. water with electricity. The, 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 listen. Through condensation. Now, now they're talking about they want to divert fresh water from the, from the Delta, from, from the Bay Area, south to help the farmers, which, would, which could potentially cause uh, uh, the, the water pressure to invert. So salt water would pour in to the, to the Bay Area, turning all of the water brackish and just mutilating all the farms. People are fighting over water. These re- like, they're not going to come together in a natural disaster. When people have a fundamental tribalist view and the only thing that matters is my tribe versus your tribe, the, the earth could explode and they would be like, it's your fault. Yeah, but my, I guess technology and can help us in a time of crisis. Because if we could, if we all had electricity and we could all condense our water from the air, then if there was a, a flood or something, we could share water and not have fear of not having enough. I'll tell you what, where we are now, it's like a like 10 gallons of water and condensation every morning on the deck. It's like you walk outside and you're splashing. I'm like, man, I'd like to get a funnel and just Yeah, dude, there's a the lot of dew. water out in the air that you can make. But in, in California, there wasn't. And it was funny when I saw the canals full of fresh water and I asked the farmer why they weren't just using that. He said, the city's voted. We can't touch it. That's how Los Angeles got made. They diverted water down from that's, the... That's what they're doing right now. The River, LA, Owens River Valley, I think it was. Holland. Uh, Listen, LA's got a ton of people, and they, and they, they say, the we after. get the water, you don't. And so it becomes, a ba- it becomes an issue of power. Yeah. They didn't care about the poor migrants who were dying of thirst. They said, give me your water. Shut your, shut your mouth. Yeah, getting, no, uh, getting enough water for people could be a good start. A disaster won't bring us together. A disaster right now, in my opinion, would scare people and cause them to go nuts. Right now, yeah, because we're not prepared for it. No, they'll go in the other direction. They would say, gimme, 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 F you. I need to survive. Yeah, yeah. It would, it, I, like to me, I, I feel like it would be like if Hurricane Katrina happened everywhere in the country all at once, right? And so, I, I, unfortunately, Tim, I think you're right. I think that... We're at a point now where we, you have two camps of people who really, really struggle not only to see their own, the, like their own fellows as patriots or compatriots, they, they struggle to see them as human, right? And so I think it's a lot easier. One, I think it, it, it makes things like uh, someone from Antifa shooting a Trump supporter more likely to happen. One, two, even in the more, the more mundane, the more milquetoast variety, I think it makes it easier to believe someone like Rudy Giuliani would do something like whatever it is, right? And so it makes it, I think it just makes all of us a lot more willing to believe things that we wouldn't believe, one, about someone we know, 
Two, about someone who we think shares our worldview. Or three, like at least someone who we can assume is going to be acting in good faith. And so where we are now is the reason you get these media cycles, whether it's Russian disinformation or whatever else, the reason they pick up so quickly is we're all like we're all pointing our mental guns at one another anyway. And when you're, and I think when you're doing that, all you need, like all you need is the tiniest little semblance of a match to be able to kick things off and kick them off badly. And it seems like every morning we wake up to do that anew. It's a it's, new news cycle. It's dude, a new something. I swear to God, this is a video game or some sort of simulation and we are controlling the morale. It's a morale thing because if people are psycho, they're going to kill each other. But if but they're not, is, if they love each other, they're, they're going to help each other. But this has been a part of human life and human existence. Yeah, and it's, it's amplified now with the internet video. We're Definitely. Like, yeah. The internet's making everything worse. Or better. It just I depends. I don't I don't know that we spend enough time talking about the second and third order consequences of social media and the internet and other things like Definitely that. Because you're right. Not. I mean, I think one of my big contentions with the media is that the thing that they are doing that tends to be bad is they are responding to a certain set of incentives that aren't that their their readers are not well served by. If a media needs to make money by serving ads, they need eyeballs. If they need eyeballs, they're not going to publish things that matter. They're going to publish things that collect eyeballs. Right. And as a result of that, you have all of these twisted incentive systems that I think are they're too big and they're too scary and they're too colossal for any of us to try and talk about and wrestle with because this is a system that we all live within and the idea of trying to, to break out or punch out of that thing is scary and frightening. But I think if we invested a little bit more time and energy talking about those sorts of things, it would probably be beneficial. I think you're right. Well, how about we do Super Chats? Let's do it. Yeah. It's time, yeah. So we have uh, one Super Chat from Nathan Reynolds. He says, Tim, go to Joe Biden's website and read about gun control. No one is discussing this, and people yeah. need to know how radical this is. So, actually, this is have it, yeah. this is really interesting. I'm going to uh, I'm going to sketch over. See if I can get this properly. So, I have one section that I really want to read from you. From I saw this, and I want I want to read this to you Let's from uh, from Joe Biden's website. This is great. Ban the manufacturing, uh, ban the manufacture and sale of assault weapons and high capacity magazines. Hmm. Federal law prevents hunters from hunting migratory game birds with more than three shells in their shotgun. Hmm. That means our federal law does more to protect ducks than children. Wait, I tweeted about this. What? I don't know how to break it to Joe Biden, but it's actually illegal to hunt children with <laughs> any amount of ammo. Uh, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but uh, I do think there is some really, really shocking stuff in here, yeah. notably banning the online sale of all firearms and ammo. Oh, boy. So I think it, it, it bans like any and online sales of firearms and ammunitions and what? ammunitions. Hmm. Biden what? will enact legislation to prohibit yep. all online sales of firearms, ammunition, kits and gun parts. Everything. No, this way. Guy's no way. What? I'm shocked. I haven't heard about this. You yes. And this is on his website. And online sale of firearms and ammunition. Anything having to do with gun parts, kits, whatever, those businesses online are over. Make sure you screenshot that, everybody, because I could see him taking that off his website. That could go That's, down the memory hole real yeah, This was one of the most so. shocking things I've seen. Think about how many businesses that will destroy overnight. I mean, dude, you could be selling simple gun parts that are totally legal and fine. You're yeah. gone. That's every insane. Every manufacturer's got a website. Yes. That's the other thing, too, is that like... Obviously, there are people, I'm sure, who they are all online gun businesses, but there are also just a lot of manufacturers who, the same way that Amazon sells lots and lots of stuff, people sell things online. We're in the midst of a global pandemic. People are buying lots and lots of things online rather than in person. There, there are some companies that make ammo, but they're based in the middle of nowhere because they ship the ammo to various stores. Right. Imagine this, though. All online sales. What if you're a distributor to local gun stores? What if there are a bunch of local gun stores? Yeah. You make ammo and sell it online to gun stores. That's part of it. That's banned. All online sales. Amazing. And like, yeah. 
to me, like the gun issue is, is I think one of the most ridiculous ones because the people who are writing the rules don't really understand guns and don't understand how they work. And so I would imagine there's probably someone who drafted that policy sitting in a city who was like, well, why can't they go down this? Like, it's, it's just a store. Why don't they go to the store? Yep. They've, they've never been someplace that, that isn't particularly densely populated. They've never held a gun before in their life. And so these things are just fundamentally scary weapons of war or whatever, like assault rifles or whatever kind of language they want to use. And they're writing sweeping policies and journalists fall into this trap too, where they have no idea what they're doing. And so the second and third order consequences that are going to come from writing bad policies are enormous. Think about what that means, banning online, banning online sales. So let's say you live in a very, very small town. Right. And you have no gun store. We are in the era of online sales. You know, a, a, a book that's not coming to your mailbox anymore for you to open up and go, ooh, I'm going to call this number yeah. and order. You go online and do it. You can't right. do it anymore. You can't have things shipped to your house. Can you that's imagine, crazy to me, man. Can you imagine if they tried that with anything else? Hmm. Like, it would be so obvious. Like, any, anything that, like, some 25-year-old guy who admittedly probably looks like me, who lives in, in New York City, who's who's writing these gun laws, anything else from their day-to-day life, if they couldn't get it online, would collapse in on themselves, and they would know it really quickly. Curing, seriously. Yeah. They don't know Bottled what water, for instance. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine? That'd be crazy. Yeah. That's wild. All right, we got some more Super Chats. All Kyle right. Hopkins says, election and post-election war games are in full swing. Multiple universities are trying to work on their post-election playbooks by running scenarios. The only thing these don't take into account are Trump winning. Yeah. So you see Trafalgar Group today said that uh, Trump's going to win. This. Yeah. Yeah. The like the, the main guy from Trafalgar said the polls are not taking into consideration the secret Trump voters, the shy voters, yep. and Trump is going to win. They're ignoring it. Um, there was a research that I've cited several times. It said 10% of people who vote for Trump lie about it. If that's a ten, if there really is a ten point swing for Trump, he's going to landslide. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's going to be crazy. And I think one of one of the interesting things in that too is it's lost on a lot of these people who are doing the war games that the side that seems to precipitate all the violence would be the side who would be upset if Trump wins. Yes, yes, indeed. Someone says, "Ready to Rumble" says, "Breaking news: FBI confirms Iran sending fake emails posing as Proud yeah, Boys to help Joe I, Biden." You saw that's that? What I pulled what? up for you. What really? Does that mean yeah, Iran, though? Does that you. mean a guy with an Iranian oh, the hill. IP no. address? Or does that mean the Iranian government? Yeah. I mean, New I York Times is saying it's a, a disinfo op, right? It's it's the, I don't remember the name of the Whoa. Movie. This is crazy. So there were spoofed emails going around to Democrats saying vote for Trump or else from the official, like, official proudboys.com or whatever. The yep. Washington Post says U.S. government concludes Iran was behind threatening yes, emails sir. sent to Democrats. Lydia had it up. The deceptive campaign made use of an internet domain associated with the far-right Proud Boys. Mm-hmm. Interesting. They are trying to get us to fight each other. And they're trying to get us to fight Iran. Make sure that's not some dude in his apartment with an Iranian IP address. Because that's what they did with Russia to get us to go after Russia. Man, what do you even trust these days, huh? My Life Matters says, have been enjoying Drew's thread. Tim, guest list is getting better. Would love to hear from left side's opinion. It is very, very hard to book leftists. I don't want to name any of these people, but there was there was a couple people who, when I tweeted, we send out invites. Listen, I'll tell you this. I could send a direct message to a right wing person right now and say, yo, our tomorrow opened up. Can we fly you out last minute? Yeah. 90% chance they'll be like, I'll make time. Yeah. Exactly. I'll, I'll, I'm down. Exactly. And they'll come on by. Now, to be fair. We're, uh, we're getting people, there's a, there's a, we're, we're in an area, a lot of people aren't, aren't too f- particularly far away because, uh, uh, you know, we have, we have a close airport. So it's pretty, pretty easy. Every time we message someone on the left, it's an endless list of questions, yep. several weeks out in advance, tons of requirements. Some people that I've tried booking have demanded money. Straight That's up. So weird to straight, me. Straight up demanded money. Like I do appearances for this much money. I'm like, mm, dude, it's a conversational yeah. podcast. We yeah, cover like the cost. What? 
So we had, I had a couple people when I, when I posted like lefties, it's really difficult to get them on the show. This is exactly what you get. The grifter class yes. started posting, I'll go on your show, invite accepted. My immediate, re- my immediate response is, uh, we'll, we'll cover your travel and accommodation. The studio, the show is in studio live 8 p.m. every day. Our next availability is this day. And I got response from one person who was like, I'm available. Let's do it. Or, you know, said, I'm available on this date. Then messaged me privately immediately was like, Oh, I, I, I can't do that. I'm not traveling. Uh-huh. And then when I was like, you said you would do a, well, I mean, COVID. Who would exactly. we get? There must be some crazy no, lefties listen. that are so down. No chomps. We've got, we've got some people who, yeah, who will come because just because I'm, I'm not saying every leftist is a duplicitous yes, grifter. Yeah. There are some people who believe what they believe and they're willing to come on a show and talk about it. Robert Reich. He wants no. to talk. That dude. Mm-hmm. Nah, that, that's, that, that'd that's, be crazy. Truth no, and reconciliation commissions. Yeah, yeah. That guy. No, that. Uh, maybe I don't want him to know where I live. Exactly. Yeah, honestly, we need <laughs> to shut him down. There are in very, person. very few people who I've read their tweets and thought to eyes. myself, "My God, this is it. I'm getting a gun." But I read, yes. I read, <laughs> I read his tweet and I was like, yes. "This is it." Like, I, like, I, wait, wait, it. I, I, I swear it. to you, if a, if a Democratic politician said we should have a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the first thing I would do like, is buy I'm a gun. He's, all right, wait, wait, wait. He used to be so balanced. Wait, wait. I think he's indicative of an of a a greater problem. That's why I want to talk to him. So we got a super chat from Death Sigh. Have you seen Donald Trump Watch website doxing? Trump donors by compiling a list of the, from the FEC, Americans that give money to support a racist. Yes, the original name of the website was something like racist.watch. And when it got attention and they immediately changed the name to Donald Trump Watch, they're not doxing people so much as they've taken all of the publicly available donor data right. and, and, and placed oh, it on yeah. a map. That's not doxing. So the information is already available. They've just made it easy for you to pull up your address and see who lives around you that donated to Trump. Oh, the funny cool. thing is, a lot of people that's great <laughs> yeah like you can go to like you can go to like chicago and see like them. all the trump donors and you're like all right well, it's gonna get people killed though i was just saying like this yes yeah and i like i get it i get i get why we should have uh, that these things should be public records i i guess but in this day and age yeah like that's that's putting a target on someone's house yeah i would do that i mean their address is already public you make a donation you know yeah. let's see C. Hennessy says, Tim, I have a question. I watched the Philly D breakdown on the New York Post. I'm curious why authentication of the hard drive is such a big deal. Like, apparently, they were not letting other news agencies see it. Is it, yeah. isn't that normal? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if a news organization said we're not giving up source information. There could be something damaged to the person they received it from. That's simple. It, th- th- this idea of third body ver- verification is like a new thing. Yeah. A news or- the New York Times says we reviewed Trump's taxes. Here's the proof, and everyone said, "Wow, there's no evidence. There's no there's no photo. There's right. no documents. Right. Literally point. nothing." That's a good point. And we're supposed to just take it at face value. So when the New York Post comes out and says, "Here's a literal email," I say, "Okay." Well, Fox News verified the emails. Mm-hmm. The DOJ and the FBI. The FBI said they have the laptop, and both have said it's not Russian disinfo. Right. And the the, the director of national intelligence said it's not Russian disinfo. So I don't see what the big deal is. And it's always, I think, historically, it's been incumbent on news media to be able to prove beyond some level of doubt to a generally credulous and skeptical public that incredulous and skeptical public that these things are real, right? Like once upon a time when there were unsubstantiated allegations, they they would mean something because a news media outlet was willing to put their name behind it. Right. All right, here we go. The real Darth Squishy says this 20 says the debate tomorrow never happens. No, Darth Squishy. Well, hold on, hold on. What happens if a Biden aide comes out with COVID? Nope. Oh, and you then go. Biden says, although I've tested negative with, a, you know, an abundance of caution, we decided it's probably best we don't come out and, and risk infecting other people. It's Who does that help, though? It helps Joe Biden. To not debate? Yes, yeah. because Trump's the first. They're going to be like, Donald Trump, 
Can you talk about your tax plan? Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh-huh. Shut her down. But yeah. do, you, do you think that that gets through to people? Like, I, I agree with you that it's it's obviously going to be something of concern to the Biden camp. But at the end of the day, I think that Biden probably looks worse and knows that he looks worse if he runs from do you, it. Do you think Donald Trump is going to say Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor who carried New York through 9-11, has just submitted evidence to the Delaware police of child sexual exploitation from your son, Joe? Do I think he says it? Yeah. No. I don't think Something, any, anything like it? I think he'll say, uh, I, I mean, one, it won't be that succinct. But uh, right. I, I, I do think, <laughs> I do, like, does he bring it up? Of course he brings it up. But I think what ends up happening is he brings it up. He's shouting, Biden shouting, the moderator shouting, and the whole thing kind of gets lost. But noise. they're going to mute I just people. don't, I, well, no, they're only muting during the two minutes of their, their special secret time or whatever is what I. Oh, heard. really? Yeah. That's what, that's how I've heard it's going to work. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be good. I, my worry is that with like what happened with the first debate, I thought was. Trump came out swinging. Uh, some on some points he was good. On some points it just felt like noise. And at the end of the day, the Amer- like it, it, a lot of this bounced off the American people. Yeah. And I think that we're probably going to see something like that at the debate tomorrow night. And I think Biden and Biden's handlers know that all he has to do is get up there, say a few things, and walk out without everyone in the world thinking that he's completely lost his marbles. And it's a win for him. That's why Trump needs to let Joe talk. He yeah, because Joe Biden is going to be like, you know, 200 million people are going to die by the time this debate is over. Yeah, Snap. exactly. He like, actually said he, that's I'm quoting the guy. Yeah, but Trump can't help himself in so many of these situations. And so like, I, I, I think you're state. right. I think I think you're right. I think what he needs to do is get out of the way and let Biden fall in on himself or come out and be super aggressive on the Hunter thing and just stick to it no matter what. And Biden, I, I think he's going to munge those two things and not not do either. Yeah, of them he's got to do Biden, charisma. He's yeah. Biden's strategy. Charisma. Yeah. Biden's strategy is for Trump to trip over himself yes that's what they've said publicly and trump is very good at doing that trump trump yep. can be trump can be counted on to trip over himself <laughs> this is very true he definitely can blaze uh says imagine filling a stadium with 30 plus thousand people every night all aware and motivated to change the status quo no wonder why the elite are freaking out mm-hmm. that's right we do it yeah. sometimes we get way more than like we, the show with uh, james o'keefe we had nearly eighty thousand. Yeah. yeah it was like 79k i think total we who, have who had 37 right now Lots of people watching and hanging out. You guys are awesome. Wow. Sidious says, two things. Remember when Trump said, we have you on tape to Biden in the last debate? Something is coming. And for your stellar GIF, use Army of Darkness, the, th- the third evil dead, with the mini ashes running around. It's perfect. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So apparently Trump said something about that. We have you on camera. Yeah. He said, video. so I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was something that was tied to, this was obviously before all the laptop stuff came out. And he said he, he had some allegations related to, I think it was, I think it was Hunter. It must've been. And he said, we've got you, we've got you on tape. We've got you on camera, whatever. But I don't know. Again, like, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's Look, teasing out the big bang and maybe it's, maybe it's the sort of thing that really does upset the apple cart and change the narrative I or think, whatever. But I think, I think there's a big bang. So. Giuliani and Bannon said 10 days, what, 10 days before the election, they're going to drop hard evidence. Oh, I'm excited. I, I think if they started the, the, the laptop Maybe thing, tomorrow. well, we're, we're on day 13, thir- 13 days out. So yeah. Yeah. I think if they started with, here's an email showing that Biden did meet with one of these Burisma guys, he's a liar. They start slow. You, it's drip, drip, drip. You don't yeah. put the big story out immediately. You want the maximum impact when it's most important just before as close as possible. I can't remember who we were talking to, but someone said Hillary Clinton put out the ex Hollywood tapes or her people did or whoever did too soon. Right. Because it was like, what well, was like the beginning of October, or yeah, the end of God, September? Super early. Yeah. Right, right, right. And they should have waited because that would have really hit Trump hard, but they did it way too early. Well, now they got early voting. So like 30 something, 35 million people have already voted. Maximum impact 10 days before it'll affect a lot of early voting in states like New York and it will get the news cycle in time for 
Election day. In-person voting. I think, yeah, I guess I buy that. And you know, one of the interesting things, I think, I'm not sure I'm there with you, but like to, to play out the scenario a little bit, I think part of it too is they've already run, like they made Twitter and Facebook and a lot of other people who for no reason censor the New York Post look really, really bad in a way that if something bigger yeah. happens in a couple of days, they can't pull that again. Right. I was just thinking that, man. That's so, so awesome. So, so wow. if they're, so if they're, if they're playing it out, if they're thinking it through from, from a strategic perspective. And are. again, like I'm, I'm always worried when I, when I, when I say that some people who have <laughs> proven themselves to not always be super strategic, that they have some masterful, like it's like the, the Trump 14 dimensional oh, chess yeah, I'm thing. I'm getting all excited now. Like I, I never, I never <laughs> buy the idea that he's playing 14 dimensional chess because I think that he, it's, like, it's mostly, it's mostly lizard brain. And so I, I'm worried of ascribing <laughs> this, this, this grand strategy behind it's these things. True. But yeah, if you're, if you're doing it with a level of strategy, that makes sense. So the big tech companies had one censorship strike, yeah. one one shot, and they said, this is it. This is the October surprise. No, Nuke it. No, it wasn't. And actually, that was the bait. They oh, themselves and, and already, Rudy Giuliani's done a masterful 360. He, he, he parries, and now he's already coming back with that counterpunch. Oh, man. That's right. Maybe. It's coming. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. We'll see. We can dream. Sounds okay. like it. Again, I think I think Giuliani's too lizard brain. Like I, I think guess, you're right. I, I, have, I have such a hard time believing that these people are capable of these sorts of things. But if they were, this is what they would be doing. That yep. that I will give you. Yep. Grant Pickens says, "Imagine a civil war where the people disbanded the corruption of media, classical and online, replacing it with non-governed forum that will teach its own equilibrium." What if? <laughs> sure. That'd be cool. Let's see. Sean Wilson says, "LOL." Buzzfeed writer not realizing he created the equivalent of the normal guy from that Lonely Island skit. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that it. thing, the Lonely Island so thing. Are you familiar with the Lonely Island? I know he Lonely is. Island. So it's, it's like a I'm, I'm actually in one of their videos. He is, yes. I'm, actually, I'm in a Lonely Island video. Why did I not know that? Uh, I'm a member of a crowd as he jumps out of a loading dock <laughs> and we're all bouncing Andy Samberg up in the air. Amazing. Yeah. I, okay, please send me that. I, I need to see Yeah, it. I need to look at If I remember correctly, the, the normal guy was like, it was meant to be a spoof of a normal guy and what a normal person would do under normal uh, normal situation. <laughs> and it was so ridiculous and over the top. I think they've got another one about like what, what people would do at the end of the world. And like it's the the joke is obviously no one would ever do this, and so right. whoever wrote that is is spot on. That's what this is, and like that's why it's that's why it's so funny. As long as you can step back far enough to be able to see that it's it's not real and it's funny. I love it. Andrew Lance says, "Love the content. Your views on abortion concern me. If the preservation of liberty requires the murder, abortion is the express ending of innocent human life of unborn children. What does the right to life Declaration of Independence even mean?" I mean, that's this, this is just a really, really long and uh, difficult ethical conundrum pertaining to liberty, morality. And usually whenever we get into a pro-life versus choice it, like debate, it becomes like a whole new hour long. I'm sure. Philosophical, yeah, really. you know, the physical body versus the person itself. Like when do you acknowledge it as a person it, as a prisoner like the death penalty? You know, there's yeah. just a million, a million and one different things. So it makes it so difficult. Yeah. So difficult. I remember we, we, when we had Seamus uh, here from Freedom Tunes, and it was like we took a super chat and then turned into like a twenty or thirty minute oh, like discussion that. about it. Yep. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. But I do think that the the, the ability to have have the conversation at all is something that's lacking. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a friend who told me that she used to be safe, safe, legal, but rare, yeah. and now she's unrestricted in every capacity. Right. And I'm like, how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, and the Democratic Party shifted, I think, pretty quickly on that, and that drove a lot of it. Um, Caitlin Flanagan, who's a writer at The Atlantic, writes really, really good and really compellingly on this about how part of the issue is the two sides just don't talk to each other, right? Like the, the pro-life and the pro-choice sides are making two fundamentally different arguments about fundamentally different things, and at no point do those two ever intersect, and so we're just right. shouting. Have you, have you heard the Louis C.K. bit on this? He was like, you know, people who are pro-choice don't 
it's basically he made a joke about this. He's like, don't understand what conservatives think. He's like, conservatives think that you're killing babies. He's like, if I thought you were killing babies, I'd be freaking out right. too. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, arms, man. That's what they're saying. So it is. Uh, it really is. This is this is this is one of these issues where there's no fence. It is. It is a like needle's tip. You yeah. don't a razor's edge. There's there's no in the middle. It's like you fall on one side, and there's it's it's tough, man. So I I don't I don't I don't know how to answer the question adequately other than. I'm not going to I don't want to reiterate the same debates we have over and over again on like yeah. life, liberty and stuff like this. But, you know, much respect for the question. Cassett says, hey, Tim, have some money because of millionaire cocksuckers. Well, it was, it was George Carlin who said it, you know, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that in his honor. <laughs> Longreach Jones says, look at what is documented of Capitol Hill grind. Congressmen and senators being pulled away from meetings and important work to be forced to fundraise for their parties. Yeah. Soul destroying stuff. That's true. That's a good. Yeah, they spend absolutely. a lot of time doing that. Yeah. And they have to. Right. And I think, again, like I, I'm going to sound a little bit wet behind the ears, I think here, but I think a lot of them hate it. Right. Like, I think there are a lot of politicians who really hate the fact that they have to go out hat in hand to so many people, many people they don't agree with so often. We got a great one here from Polly. Polly V says, Tim went fishing today and took no care to politics for the day. I recommend everyone do something to escape from the madness we live in for a brief moment to just breathe and relax. Tim actually point. got a mountain bike today. Well, not, not yet. It's got to be picked up soon, oh, but I'm just okay. going to go mountain That's biking. A, that looked like a head That's clearing awesome. endeavor. Sounds like it. I mean, skateboarding is. I skate like every day. You yeah. know, skateboarding is I went out fishing this morning. Nice. I went outside and just breathed in the air. It yeah. smelled so good. Yeah, people need to get outside. I, I imagine living in a city will drive you insane at a certain if if you're in there for too long. Yes, yeah, guilty. Yep, you're like yep. you, you're you're in a you're you're in a giant concrete block. You forget what animals are except for squirrels and pigeons. Yes, and then it's like and the rats in DC, unfortunately. Oh <laughs> man, not because of you hear what's going on in New York with because of COVID. Oh yes, the rats. I, they're I coming out. This. Yeah, 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 and, and chasing like people. And yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, like they're running out of their usual food source. Yup. Yeah, there was there was a crazy video place. where like a bunch of baboons were fighting in the streets in like India yeah, or something. Yeah. Because they usually have tourists throwing food to them. Yeah. Now there was nobody, so they're like fighting each other yeah, for they food. Ended up killing somebody. Oh a person? God. Yep, they killed a person. Whoa, did they eat him? He's in That's Thailand, really killed somebody. And eat him? Yeah, I don't know. Whoa. I imagine they were not happy with him. Planet of the Apes, man. They're common. I hope the rats don't get that bad. <laughs> I know, I hope not. Ann Kelly says, get stick six, six hex and hammer or razor fist to come on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, 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 we're trying to get sticks on for a long we're time. We're trying so hard. Yeah, sticks is like one of on the top of our list of people we he want to well on the show. He was the first person I think I asked. Yeah. He's in Canada? No, I see he's off overseas, I think, right oh. now. Oh, uh, it's going to be tough. He'll turn up eventually. We'll get him in. <laughs> we'll someone, get him. someone says Odysseus Horse says, just breaking Fox News reports laptop connected to Hunter Biden also connected to FBI money laundering probe. Oh, snap. Well, well it's just a super chat, so we'll see. Where, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I trust our super chats. That, that, would, be, on it. that would be a big deal. Let's see. Where are we at? Omega Hunter says, please ask if Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, and Ben Shapiro to join your IRL stream at some point in the future. I mean, you know, you know what I don't like doing is like this person has a really big show. No. Why don't you come on my show? It's like, well, they have a show. But, right. Yeah. I mean, having the conversation is great. So you I know. would love to. But when you get that big, you start to run into like agents and then you have trouble. Yeah. Oh, it's so annoying. In touch with people. I just want to, to talk to the person, not their agent. I know, man. It, yeah. it, it really is tough. There's like a, there's like a certain uh, uh, like profile size that's really great. It is, yeah. But some people don't like, they're just like long careers. 
Yeah. And we try to book them. They're like, talk to my booking agent. Nah. And it's like, nah, I'm, out. I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's exactly. It's like, it's when you, it's like when you've got to enter your credit card information for a free trial. Yeah. It's like, right. Nope. Exactly. <laughs> it's like this, this step on its own might not be too much, but under these circumstances, I can't do it. That's definitely too much. I would yeah. say mad shout out to Rogan Peterson and, um, Shapiro. Ben. For sure. Yeah. Those yeah, guys yeah. are phenomenal. They really are. Why, is that Betsy why, or why Bucko? Why is Betsy yelling? The cat's dying in the corner. I think there's a bug. Oh, probably. I think she wants up. No, oh, she was yelling at the bug. Hi, so it's stink bug season oh. in the in the uh, in the on the oh. east coast. Fall and spring, man. But but st- like stink bugs smell really bad. Like, uh, do you have a lot of them in DC? Not too bad. I grew up in Massachusetts, so we had them. You, you, yeah. yeah, right. They're they're, but they're, but states. they're but they're kind of funny, you know. Yeah, so it's interesting. My my girlfriend had never seen a. She's from LA. She had never seen a stink bug before, and so we we had one that was in my apartment, and I was like, I I remember I like called her over because it was obviously the start of stink bug season. I was like, this is it. Like the, the, like this this dumb dorky like yeah, poorly right. moving kind of like poorly moving. Like, <laughs> yeah, like this like like there's there's no way. Like, I love him. Big believer in evolution, but I will pause and say that stink bugs have got to be an accident somewhere <laughs> along the line. And I was like, this is it. This we, is the dreaded creature itself. Here we got. Go. We, we have we have two cats in this house, and it's really funny because when the stink bugs first started coming in, Betsy walks up to it and sniffs it and immediately recoils and goes yeah. and then like a week later bucko walks up and sees one and i'm like oh he's gonna do it and he sniffs and goes they're <laughs> <laughs> smart the Cats brown smart. what are they called the marmorated marmorated ones they came from china and yeah. like east asia so yeah. everything bad comes from china in like 1989 <laughs> or something you. they were introduced to this area yeah, of, the, of the country yeah. and now they never leave yeah nope they'll never leave Apparently Jake of all trades says, Tim, what kind of guns did you buy? I don't think you're supposed to just come out You're and not. say it, right? My dad never would. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. told I was told not to tell people what kind of guns I have, I but I have never. a lot. It's cool. Like talking about how much you make every year. Yep, that's right. I always thought well, that was weird because I would just tell people and they're like, Oh, you can't tell people that. Yeah, you yeah. really can't. What is it? Who gives the, yeah. I do. Never ask I have, a woman our age, a man his salary, or right. a woman or their guns. There you go, there you go. So I might have coined that. I don't know that I stole that from anyone. There's 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 a really simple way to ask a woman what her age is. I always say this Are you old enough to where if I ask your age you'll be offended? Interesting. And then no matter what answer they give you, gotta you know, you got a certain you know, range yeah. right. or a laugh. So I've actually, it's really funny because I use that joke a ton of times on, on women and older women are of the, you know, the, 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 the culture don't ask women her age. Yeah. And so sometimes they, it's usually a funny thing because they understand it's a joke. Right. But I've had some sour responses like, you can't ask me that. And I'm oh, like, God. I know Didn't, you're older yeah, than. Exactly. Yeah. You're, that means you are. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've exactly. given everything away. Uh, right. Right. I have all the information and, I need now. And yes, young, y- you. young women don't have this. So they'll laugh and be like, oh, I'm 30. You yeah. Know? And it's like, oh, you know, well, I don't know. Maybe it's an age thing and not a culture thing. Caper 2X says, Tim, consider a Starlink connection for Internet access. Yes, if uh, just let me call Elon Musk, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, I would love to get Starlink internet. Let's tweet at what is it like gigabit satellite? Oh, I oh, have no that idea. Awesome. Yeah. Yup. We low, need it, man. This orbit. would be a great beta test. True. Elon, uh, uh, please give us, us Starlink. We really that would be fantastic. Need it. Or at least that super fast train that he's going to do between DC and New York. Yeah, That's seriously. Yeah, right, right. Let's go, man. Jay Mill says it, it's it's. It'd be nice to see Viva Frey and Robert Barnes' duo make it on also Incredible Legal Insight. Well, yeah. I'm trying to get Viva on. Yeah. At first, I thought that was the Frey, like the band. No. Viva Frey. It's like, wow, if the Frey came on, that would be, I would find that cool. I would find that I don't know. I don't know how many of your viewers are otherwise would, but. A lot of requests. Look at this. Krillin876 says, TP, are you going to have Michael Tracy on the show? He was waiting for your request. Waiting for a request. He is not waiting for a request. I have one out with him, and he is welcome to... Get back to me anytime, Michael. 
Yeah, I think he was like one of the first people we yeah. invited. Yeah, definitely Michael Tracy. He does good work. Yeah, he does. He's great one of the good ones. Let's see what else we got. Sedated and restrained says with SCOTUS leaning conservative, do you think it'll be possible to get NFA and other gun laws ruled unconstitutional? Oh, what do you think, Drew? It's a good question. I mean, I remember last time I was on, we talked a little bit about the, the kind of strict constructionist and constitutionalist views that yeah, some yeah, judges yeah. have. I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm of the opinion, maybe naively so, that it's going to be really hard, even with a conservative, a conservative court to overrule any longstanding principle. Um, so I think that you probably, maybe some of the more recent gun laws you might be able to chip away at. You could have future challenges that do that. But the say, I think the same way about gun laws and Roe v. Wade and other things, like if they're, if they're mostly settled precedent, I think they will continue to be mostly yeah, yeah. settled precedent. Here's an interesting one. Hayden Hudson says, Rudy just claimed on GB he has only had laptop around five days. Photos reported the day after discovered. He had to confirm with others whether he needed to report it, and they said, yes, report it. Interesting. Huh. All right, let's see some uh, retracted messages. Jackson says, in Hong Kong, abortion is illegal unless the pregnancy endangers the mom and needs to be signed uh, and needs to be signed by two doctors. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Did you guys see uh, Sony's new... Uh, terms of service that are like just so oh, pro Kong? prc yeah it's really? disgusting dude yeah. wow they launched it in hong <laughs> kong it's like you can't speak anything that would dishonor the people's republic of china <laughs> it's this yeah. weird Bad. list of stuff because it's, it's in you compliance know, with the new law that they passed right and oh. so the right right, the, right the expectation at least within china is that that law is something that they could then use to um, to repatriate and prosecute people within the country. And so I think there are a lot of people, a lot of companies who are like, ooh, I don't want anything to do with that. Recording all your voice chats, they said, if you yeah. use the Sony voice thing, they're what? recording everything. Huh. Yikes. They, at least they let us know. Seriously. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see. Josh B says, Josh B, a tip from a Texan. Never ask a farmer how many acres he or she farms. Never ask a rancher how many heads of cattle he or she runs. Well, there you go. I, I buy that. that yeah. Oh, this is good. Rich in Texas says, have Tom Fitton on. Do it. <gasps> Yeah. yeah, for sure. If I don't have to talk to his agent, I totally will, man. But does he have an agent? I, I'm sure he does. Yeah. He works. That's super famous. Yeah, I will. Krillin876 says, Tim, did you ever see the 80s skateboarding movie Streets of Fire with Nadas Kapis? I have not. I've seen what? Gleaming the Cube, though. Let's see. Austin Showman says, Contact tracing. Tim, need your thoughts on the subject. Um, I don't know. Mostly fine, depending on the ho- how they end up doing it. It yeah. can be a, a violation of people's privacy through, uh, like, it's, it's akin to tracking metadata. I don't know. Um, my bigger concern is with, like, spying on people's phones, not so much with asking people if they'd like to help us figure out where this disease went. Yeah. If it's voluntary versus involuntary, that's the issue, right? Yeah. Right. And you've got, I think, like, part of it is there's plenty of social coercion that can go into something like that. And so I think some of that, honestly, is good, where if you've got an event that you want to go to, a restaurant you want to go to, and they ask you casually, like, hey, will you put down your your name and your phone number and whatever? Then, like, I don't know, that makes sense to me. I just, I've recently started going back to mass in person, and I know that that's something that they do there, too. And so I know I feel a lot more comfortable doing that. And yeah. I get it. Like, listen, I, I beef with the libertarians on Twitter all the time. I get that there are privacy concerns. I'm just not particularly motivated by any I, of th- There's actually a private property con- uh, issue if, if a business says, we want to track the people who come into our store tell us you know you can come in under these conditions i mean it's their business yeah right you know yeah so there are there are challenges though because uh what i often say in terms of public accommodation is if i'm paying taxes that support your business then i think there needs to be you know restrictions have to be reasonable but i mean it's that's that's my phone's always spying on me. It's really annoying. You guys ever really catch is. this? Yeah. Periodically just turns on and starts tracking every word I say and it like shows me. It's really it's so true. My phone has never done that. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, uh, I phone. need more information just out of the blue. Yeah. Be like, no. Well, like p- periodically <sighs> while we're here, it'll turn on and I see my word. It starts tracking like, my, yeah, just like a voice attack. That's thing. really weird. Yeah. My welcome to the future. They're spying on me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember after Occupy Wall Street, it was really funny. 
Well, I had two phones. I had an iPhone and an Android, and I couldn't turn them off. Really? They wouldn't. They couldn't turn them off. So if I turned them off, they would immediately turn back on, unless the battery died. Hmm. And so I was talking to. Uh, I mean, I, I, I understood back in the day what it typically meant when your phone wouldn't shut off. Mm-hmm. But my hacker buddies and infosec buddies were like, yeah, they're probably spying on your phone. And, you know, anyway, that's, that, it's, it's been fun. Drew, thanks for <laughs> hanging out. It's, uh, it's a little bit after 10. So I think we're going to get ready to wind, uh, wind things down. We've got the debates tomorrow night. We're going to cook some pizzas and nice. have some drinks, sit back and hopefully it'll happen. Whatever. I'm assuming it will. Some, some threw a 20 bucks, 20 bucks down saying it wasn't. Heck yeah. We'll see. Uh, Drew, you want to mention your social media where people can catch those sweet, sweet threads? Yeah. Yes. So best place for the threads, at least until they ban me, which could happen any day, is no. uh, Drew Holden 360. I hope all you guys will avenge me too. If I, if, 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 <laughs> I, I hope it's not going to happen, but, uh, it could be, it could be great in terms of my number of followers shooting up if I get banned. I think that tends to help people. But, when you uh, come back. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, it's, it's Drew Holden 360. Um, uh, my cover photo is someone saying that I look like a, a name brand version of Shia LaBeouf, so you, you can't miss it. It's very funny. <laughs> Boom, there you go. It. It's true. Uh, and of course, you can follow Ian Crossland. Hello, everyone. This He's, is Betsy. There's Betsy, Betsy the cat. My, my cat, social cat. media tags are at Ian Crossland all over the place. Aww. You may have noticed oh, that there's an image of uh, Joe Biden eating a small child behind Ian. Yes, We We, we rotated the photos. Right. Yeah, Drew, you've got the Joe Rogan Donald Trump and oh, Biden one behind Ricky. Yeah. yeah, man. His use of purple is just off the charts. Really and then actually in the in the frame on Drew, you can see Elizabeth Warren looking really You can. Really She's looking haggard. over his shoulder. Creepy looking. Sketchy as heck. Yeah. <laughs> as a Massachusetts native, this is mostly my worst nightmare. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. For sure. Uh, so, of course, you can follow at Sour Patch Lids. You can. I'm here. L-Y-D-S. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Parlor at TimCast. Check out my other channels, YouTube.com slash TimCast and YouTube.com slash News, which apparently is slowly being removed from a blacklist. Hmm. which is good news. I was actually able to search it. I checked today, and, and they're cool. back. Others are still telling me it's not visible, so we'll see what ends up happening. But this show is live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m., so smash that like button on the way out to help the channel. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. We'll have clips from this show up throughout the day tomorrow. And then Friday, we will we will be back. But tomorrow, we have no show because it is debates. Yes. Yeah. Day off. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Well, kind of. we got to watch the debates. But uh, thanks for hanging out, and we will see you all next time.